Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Nick Shepard. I'm joined by Monica Padman. Hi there. Hello there. Your friend is here. My old buddy, my sweet, sweet friend is here, Bradley Cooper. I don't need to tell you about Bradley Cooper, but I will anyways, because he's an award-winning actor and a filmmaker. He's nominated right now for 15 to 17 Academy Awards for his film Maestro. But before that, of course, we have A Star is Born, The Hangover, American Sniper, Silver Lines Playbook, Limitless. You know... Hey, Cooper, what a fucking resume you've put together. Yeah. You know, time's just passing and all of a sudden this list here assembles and I'm staring at it and it's, what a career he's built. It's incredible. But what you did, you forgot to say Hit and Run and Brothers Justice. Hit and Run and Brothers Justice. Yes, yes. Let us not forget. His movie Maestro is out now on Netflix. This is my favorite conversation I've had with him in years. That's great. Yeah. It was It was lovely. Yeah, I really, really just like, I just... It was just very impactful, and I really, really enjoyed it. So please enjoy my friend Bradley Cooper. He's an armchair expert. He's an armchair expert. I was worried about the traffic, but I'm okay. Right? Yeah, you did fine. Yeah. Tell me about the Oscar luncheon. What happens there? What's that Klugman's like? Klugman's coming. Okay, great. <laughs> Cluggy will be in tow. You mean the voice of T-Mobile? That's right. And the creative, the creative nucleus force. behind it. Shut up, Panay as well. Yeah, exactly. You kind of can't beat his voice. Do you know about his friend Brian Klugman? Best friend since Philadelphia. And he and Panay are partners with oh. Nate. Yes, and Klugman's in the movie. Oh, who is he in the movie? Insane. I know. Could we just break Muffin this down top? for a second? Let yeah, Rob, Rob explain Rob, yourself. Yeah. So it's espresso with water, and then they have like a special whipped cream that they put on top. Who's they? Maru Coffee. Okay. Shout out Maru Coffee. Brian Best Klugman, coffee Andrew in the Pinet. city. Black Nate. Ops, whatever. Nate Talk. <laughs> <laughs> who else do we know from the, over our time together? <laughs> Wait, who is he in the movie? Mr. Amoroso, my cello teacher when I was in eighth grade. He's awesome in it. Oh, I was Klugman. just kidding. Another shout out. Oh, isn't oh. he great? Yeah, oh. <laughs> I thought you were saying Klugman was playing it's Leonard a, Bernstein's cello I know. Cello that's, what, that's what I thought. It's too early for jokes. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so your best oh, friend. Man, I'm sorry, this is the first thing I'm having all day. No, this isn't is it fantastic. It is good. So it's called something, right? Cream top. Cream top. Also, not a great I thing know. for you to sip just before the photos because okay. it does look like you just blew an elephant a little uh, bit. Just right, here, right. Yeah, here. yeah, that's what these hands are for. This has happened a few times. <laughs> I kind of think you're doing it on purpose, Rob. One by of his rascally yeah. moves. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on up there, <laughs> yeah, the what? Shepherd? What, what's he doing? <laughs> what happens before the interview starts? <laughs> Oh, we're all over the place. Back to... Look at this footwear that's going on. Yeah, a lot of boots. Oh, all three. We yeah, got a lot of... pretty good. <laughs> These are from... What movie? What movie? TV show. A Kitchen Confidential. These are from <gasps> 2006. Wow. Because I live in New York, but I still have the place here. But all the clothes are from like... They're just getting older. Yeah, older. so like I wore these Benetton women's pants. <laughs> I must have worn all the time. Remember those red, almost pajama-like pants? Oh, I for wore? sure. Yeah. Okay, those were women's. I got this when I was on a trip with my parents in 1997. Really? 97! Oh, oh my God. And they're still holding yeah, up. Yeah, I wore them yesterday with the failure to launch army. Shut <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> do you do that, too, though? Yes, I was just complaining about it. I haven't acted in a few years, so I haven't collected any new stuff. <laughs> right. And now it's starting to become really apparent, especially if I have to wear a suit, because I'll have had suits made for the game show, but I was one way. So nothing fits me anymore, and I'm not going to fix that. I'm just right. wearing stuff that doesn't fit now right. <laughs> as a rule of thumb. So everything's way too big. 
or small? For the last two and a half years, everything was way too small. I would put a rubber band in the little notch right. and then put it around the button for the neck of the shirt. Oh, that's You follow smart. me, my neck was yeah, too yeah, thick. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'll just be able to cover it up with a tie. But then I'd pop into the bathroom in the middle of an event and realize the tie had gotten a little loose and you just see like my daughter's braces rubber band. I mean, it's not braces, but friendship yeah, yeah, bracelet. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna be looking like in about six years when I continue to not collect any new clothes. I believe we're 49. Yeah, baby. How's it feel? I actually feel young. I feel like younger than I did 15 years ago. But I know it's coming because people in their 50s say, just wait, after 50, your body starts to change. I feel healthy as I ever have. In fact, I was just thinking of you two weeks ago. I'm going to see how fast I can get to the very top of Griffith. Oh, wow. And I was remembering you doing that in Vancouver Island. Yes. And then I was like... I need Cooper. I have no comp. I don't know if I'm doing good or bad, right? <laughs> the fact that you could even do it is the win. I guess. Dude, are you kidding? I haven't done anything like that in years. Oh, you have? Oh, no. I don't run anymore. You stay thin, yeah, though. I was watching you, you in Maestro, thin? and I thought you were really- I got super thin in Maestro for the prosthetic. That was the best thing. Because otherwise, when you would put the stuff on your face, it almost looked like a bobblehead. And then after that, I'm like 181, 182, which is great weight for me. Yeah, probably the healthiest weight. Oh, no question. Our height. Just diet then. Yeah, and work out. Work out in my bedroom. Okay. Yeah. Like body weights. <laughs> you might need more clarification. No, I have like to the it, toilet. I'll show you a photo. Let me see you have a photo of me working out. My screen's video. <laughs> video of me working out. Let me see. Here, I'll show you my routine. This was yesterday at nine. What do you do? So I have a Peloton bike that I used to use a lot. I don't really now, but I like the way it looks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it feels it's like it, it let people know that there's. And the an other thing, that the, the huge room. thing, is this catalyst suit. Do you know about this? No, tell me about that. So this catalyst suit that I was turned on to like four years ago. It's a certain method of working out where it stimulates your muscles through electro. There's like electro pulses. Exactly. Uh -huh. And it's a 20 minute workout. I've turned so many of my friends onto it. Because do you remember when I was doing sniper, my tendons were really sore. I was like, how am I going to be able to build the arms up to match like back? Right. Yes. Do you yes. remember that? Well, you would focus very heavily on deadlifting for that. Deadlifting my neck. Remember all the neck yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, because he had this incredible neck, and we always wanted to shoot from the back of his neck, yeah. you know, anyway. The suit. Dude, the suit every other day. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, you're okay. sweating, yeah, it's hard. And the great thing is I just focus on my lower back and glutes, because, again, as we get older, that's really the only thing that matters. Yeah, but you already had the glutes. I had the glutes, but not the lower back. Okay. Yeah. So you came with glutes into this world. I did come with the glutes into this <laughs> that's world. Nice. Yeah, Which I've had a weird relationship with. Sometimes I've hated it, but often I'd loved it, because basketball with Dax. Oh. Surely. Tennis court. Tennis court. Let's oh, be yeah. honest, though, where it really shines is the dance floor. <laughs> That's true. I was just talking to a friend of ours about this. I didn't like my face. You didn't like yours. But I had to build a self-esteem. That's right. I just honed in on a couple things I had. That was my first foot forward, no matter what. You have to have known your haunches were so powerful and infectious, especially on a dance floor. I just loved dancing. So I was shy. But for some reason, get me on that bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah dance floor. <laughs> Back up. And, and I felt like I was in a place of you comfort. Were at home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And the response from gals was that no other boys were dancing. So it was like, ah, oh, finally I have a fucking At least somebody's thing. dancing. That's right. Just yes. the fact that we were out there meant a lot. I try to yeah. tell young boys, like, just- Just get out there. Get dancing. <laughs> just you don't have to be good. No. In fact, it's almost better. 
Yes, yeah. it just says I'm a good time. That's right. But do you think it works the same for girls? If they're not good? I still like it. I think at that age, it's just about being out there and moving around. It's a false flag of confidence because it takes a lot of confidence to get up and yeah. potentially humiliate yourself. So yeah, even if a gal's dancing objectively poorly, God bless her, look, she's confident and she's moving. That's attractive. I just think you guys might be a little misunderstood in that you both didn't like your faces, but you had nice ones. Okay. And so, Go on. so continue. <laughs> what specifically was nice about our faces? Yeah, nice faces. <laughs> and so the dancing, even if you were good or bad, it was just like, oh, that's cute because they're cute. Thank you, by the way. You're yeah. welcome. Uh, and I, it could be right. Whatever the outside perspective is, what was going on, and that was one of the many things that we sort of aligned initially is our sense of self-esteem. That we were monsters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And physically and I all can't. these things that we connected to, but that maybe the general populace would be like, what are you talking about? But it didn't matter because it wasn't like this thing we told ourselves. We had a dossier of factual oh, evidence litigating. which would support that, in fact. And that would refute, but you Yes, can't but in a court that. of law, we felt like we had a very, very <laughs> good case. Strong uh, case. Yes. yes, yes. We didn't even need to make a final closing <laughs> no, argument. In fact, yeah, no, yeah. No. Once we bring the gals up that didn't like us yeah, and we get them on the stand yeah, admitting yeah. they like, let's settle out of court. We're like, <laughs> Okay, no, we're going to take this all the way. We feel confident about the verdict on this one. Oh, can I just say real quick? Yeah, yeah. I had this incredible weekend in Santa Barbara. They did this film festival, and they did a retrospective, and they made this montage of all the stuff, and then they showed a thing from Hit and Run, man. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I screaming at each other? It was like a moment right before that. You driving tough? It was so quick, but it was like me looking at you. I think it was right before the fight. Wasn't there a moment where we like just looked at each other? Yeah, because we love each other, and yeah. Because <laughs> it didn't look like hate. It didn't like ah. Oh, and then when we shot the T-Mobile commercial, the DP did hit and run. Oh, yes, 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 of course. Brad Stone Cipher. There's been a lot of hit and run memories. Mm. Oh, that makes and, you me know, so Because that was the limitless wig. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, and I was watching, we haven't talked in a little bit, but I've been completely turned on by reality television and I'm absolutely obsessed. What specifically? Well, Love on the Spectrum is the greatest show I've ever seen. Okay, yeah. Really loved The Golden Bachelor. That was my introduction oh, into wow. that world. Monica's a big Bachelor. But I was just taking in the last season of The Bachelorette. I haven't finished it, so don't tell me okay, anything. Okay, that's But spoilers. they were drifting, and I was thinking about you the oh, other day. They went on a drifting day? Yes. Oh, maybe I should watch The Bachelor. <laughs> They've had so many years to try to wrangle everyone I can't in. believe They're all finally the seasons. Drifting. I can't believe. So many. It's There's going to be like, they're going to have a bass angling episode or something. It's true. They've done so many. Like, what else can we Speed do? Spelunking. Love is blind, my lord. Oh. Have you watched Love on the Spectrum? Yes. The first season I saw several. We watched some during the pandemic. I'm new to it all, but wow. It's beautiful. Do you have a theory on why this is suddenly appealing to you? <laughs> <laughs> Sincerely. It's not a theory. Okay. It's just a logistical thing. It entered your life. It's entered my yes. life. Okay, and you yes. can't turn away. So I entered my life and I was like, oh, this is the most incredible reflection of human behavior and social dynamics. But love on the spectrum, you're watching these people just move forward with their heart and mind totally open. And they're saying the very thing that we're oh. feeling and never have the courage to say. It's like one date is the equivalent of 40 of our dates. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Boom, let's get right down to it. How are you feeling? How's this going?
going. I think it's going well. I'm feeling this way. I me don't too. like this. Well, that's yeah. what always kills me is when they're like, no, I don't really like this. In the first few I saw. <laughs> I'm like, yes, dude. It's quite transparent to me why that appeals to you. Okay. That specifically. Because you are always on high alert for the truth. I know where mine comes from. I don't even know that I know exactly where yours comes from. I think it comes from a similar place. Okay. Maybe charismatic, deceptive adults. I think it's about how to survive and understand what's real as a child. What's happening because there's conflicting signs that portray different realities. How do I decipher what's real so that I can survive? So I'm going to predict what's next. Yeah. So these folks, you're like, oh, this is it. They're going to tell me, I plan on double crossing you in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. I find it very moving. I struggle with it immensely. Reality television. No, no, I love it. I don't have a show currently, but I've had long periods. I love dating shows where yeah. everyone's fucking. I love that. Oh, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen those Oh, yet. you should watch Are You the One? That's oh, the really? Best. Okay. Can I lay out the premise from two seconds yeah, for you? Yeah. So it's 20 people, 10 hot girls, 10 hot boys. They're on some romantic location, and they're just free to mix and see who they connect with. They've been told that an algorithm knows who their perfect match is. That's the buy-in, that this computer knows who their perfect match is. So then at the end of every episode, they have to pair off and declare, this is my true love. Basically, only two of them are right. But they've fallen in love, right? They've been fucking for a week. Only two of them are right, meaning to the algorithm. Yes. Do we as the audience know already? We don't know. And so they're trying now to figure out which two had it correct and which eight other couples need to do -si do and switch partners. Whoa. But people are already in love. There's jealousy. I mean, it's like the most maniacal. And are they all living in the... Yes, wow. and they're drinking heavily. Yeah, there's a lot of drinking in all these shows. You've got to get everyone hammered. <laughs> yeah. Are you the one? Do you watch Love is Blind? No. Because oh, all the cups, you can't see through them, so you don't know how much they're actually drinking. Is Love is Blind the one where they'll show a penis part? No. No. Love is Blind is where they meet in pods. I think it came out of COVID it initially. Did. I did see that. I did yeah. see that. Okay, and then they're kind of falling in love with what you would hope they'd fall in love with. Personality. Their personality. Exactly. And then they now get to see each other. Yes. Oh. And they just did Love is Blind Sweden, which was incredible. Oh, oh was there a cult, <laughs> big cultural difference? shift? Yeah. Very much so. To the degree where there was no more engine in the show, like they don't care what each other looks like? Just different mannerisms, different way of communicating. But they dubbed it, so I didn't like it because the voice is everything. You know, at the end of it, they do the live coming back show oh, where yeah. find out what happened. And that they hadn't, I guess, had time to dub. And then all of a sudden you're hearing their voices. It was fantastic. Well, they hate small talk and pleasantries, which right. I appreciate about them. And they're all real handsome over there in Sweden. Oh my God, yes. I just met our boss from Spotify and just a run-of-the-mill guy in Sweden. But here, you know, he's 6'2", broad right, shoulders. Yeah. He's gorgeous. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, this guy's just a fucking By the way, you look five. amazing, dude. Thank you. you, look <laughs> you see, your eyes are crystal clear. But really, we haven't seen each other in person. You look fucking great. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Yeah, Thank right, you. doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, I see him every day, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Really, he looks so it. calm and healthy and is life good? Yeah, life's really good. Yeah, I I've carved tell. out a really crazy, impossibly good thing here. Yeah, but I mean just everything. Yeah, but this kind of then informs how much free time do I have to exercise? How much free time do I have to drop my kids off at school? It goes backwards from there. Of course. Um, still playing the drums? Yeah, getting worse. <laughs> That's the fucking bummer. But still have it by it's the still, gym? Still, right underneath yeah. of us. <laughs> yes, I work out and then I play Amazing. a little bit. And then I'm like, God, it's weird I'm getting worse. Tell me your ritual. The exercise? No, just like get up in the morning. Oh, great. I'd love yeah. to. It's so self-indulgent. I talk about it all the time. So oh, you I, do? So is this no, redundant? No, he <laughs> asked. He asked, so Yeah, fine. yeah. So you've given me the, the, <laughs> the blessing. I wake up two hours before the kids are up. Well, two hours before I got driving to school. 
So five? No, six. I got to leave the house at eight. How far away is school? Two miles. I can do it in about nine minutes Amazing. if I'm punching it. And what do we drive in these days? We drive mom's electric bolt there because I can do U-turns really good in front of the school and get the spot. When mom's using her car, I'm actually resentful. <laughs> I wake up, I meditate for 20 minutes. Then my reward for that is I get coffee and nicotine. And then I start journaling. I journal one page. Still journaling, my God. Yeah, won't quit. Well, I quit for a minute. And I, I started doing opiates. <laughs> it turns out they were very linked. And then I minimally have to write a page of prose. So I'm writing a memoir by hand. And then it's poopy time. Because we've got nicotine and coffee in us. Yes. Yeah. And we're hammering that. Yeah. And then we get on the commode and the girls start filing in. They start chatting with me and it's amazing. They don't care. Is this a toko commode? Brondel, but same thing. So there's a heat. Yeah, yeah. I do my posting for this show at that moment. Like okay. if it's a Monday, I put up the guest. And then the girls start coming in and out. And I wonder, is this the same with Leah where they can sit and talk to me like a foot away from me and it's terrible in there. <laughs> my bedroom is the bathtub <laughs> and the toilet, the oh, bed are yeah. all in the same room. <laughs> yeah. So it's 24 7, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't even walk out of the bathroom no, and get away. There's no doors, dude. And do you find she doesn't there's care? There's no door in my bedroom. There's no door to the bathroom. No, the no. stairs go up oh. and it's all on one floor. Wow. Yeah, let it rip. <laughs> Just move from zone to zone. Yeah. God, I would love that actually, because again, I'm moving through these little steps. Right. But do you find that your daughter doesn't care at all? Oh, yeah, no, no. We talk where I'm on the toilet, <laughs> she's in the bathtub. That's sort of the go to. I have a great <laughs> biological question surrounding this. Is it your genes that makes you not care, or is it just the nurture of it all? It's insane they that they don't care. They must be able to smell it. There must be something pheromonal. Here's what's interesting I didn't grow up that way. Right. At all. No. I don't think I ever saw my father on the toilet until he got sick. Right. Like, ever in my life. We can have a hundred conversations. I need six hours. And we got to talk about nudity with a daughter. So it's like, we're the Swedish style or German. Like, we're naked all the time. Me too. And by the way, I was like that, not with my mom, but my dad. He my was dad always, was nude. always nude. And always took showers with him. There was no, it was just no, no evacuation, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> showering was fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you're quite comfortable nude. Totally. Okay. Then I take the kids to school. Then I work out, then I research, or research, then work out. One of the two. Probably research first, and then I try to squeeze a workout in, and then we come up here and we So two record. workouts. No, no. I said the order wrong. I would always research first because I can't drop that, and then I'll work out, and then we generally record at 11 for the first time. And meditation happens where in this area? Oh, in my bed. So you sort of sit up? Yes. If Kristen's leaving with the girls, I can do that. If she's not, I wake up, I make my coffee, I bring it to the other middle bedroom, and then I meditate in there on the bed. Sitting up. Yes, and I've added cross-legged to oh, it all. Oh, you have. Me too. When did this start? I'm like this. Yeah, I couldn't do oh, that. By wow. the way, I know this is crazy. You do this, this is crazy, hands thing? I do. Because, you are supposed to. I feel that there's a difference. It feels like there's not one circle. Cuitous. I got yeah, you. Yeah, it's supposed to it's be a, connected boom. at all areas. Right. That's like you're I breaking it, like, up. Skadoosh. You know, that's <laughs> yes. what made me think of it. There's something circular about it when you yes. do that. A loop of energy. That's what it feels like. I got to add that. I sit like this. Because I feel like it's going in a loop around my arms. Guys, I'm crossing my hands and setting them in my lap. You know, I'm doing this sort of like. Uh, Touching your ring fingers with your thumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's the original position. Yeah. That the Indians the OP, made that. Original the, position. The, yeah, the, they invented the, um, that. The thing is never to rest your head against anything obviously. Yeah. When did you start crossing your legs? Because anatomically, I couldn't cross my legs three years ago. 
I started like this. This is how I used to meditate. You look like a schoolboy at his desk <laughs> yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. the <laughs> listener. <laughs> then I stopped meditating for a couple of years. Uh -huh. And I think when I started back up, that's how it started. And I always go to the roof in the West Village where I live. Oh, that's where nice. I sort of try to go. Even in the winter? Even in the winter. Better in the winter? Well, it's interesting because I bundle up. And then there's no chairs there because it's just a 450 square foot little area. And I have a little plot of grass. And hey, you haven't seen it. Yeah, I have. The very, very top? I was in the backyard. I was in the bathroom slash toilet slash, like a, <laughs> slash. Just a tiny little deck. Okay, lovely. Do you have mats you sit on though? No, it's just wood. So I just sit on that's wood. That's so much tougher. So that's why I had to evolve. Yes. Because there was no chair. I'm so jealous right now. Because I'm leaning against, not my head, but my low back has got some pillows oh, behind yeah, it. Yeah, my lower back, there's grass, wood, and then I have wood on the wall. Okay, so you're up against the wall. Fuck, because I was starting to think you were full David Carradine no, style. No, no, no. That would support. be really hard, dude. I know. This happens a lot, that I'll be mid-meditation <laughs> and I'm down here. You slowly start drooping <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> yes. yes. I tell myself, you cannot think about this and also lift your head backwards. That's right. That's <laughs> what I always say. I'm like, oh, where, where am I? Oh, okay. <laughs> How did my head get down to my chest? Okay, is that first? thing you don't have any caffeine before then do you no so what i do is similar it's like all predicated on when do i have to get leah up so depending if my mom is visiting from philly leah loves sleeping with her all the way downstairs and we have three dogs so first is oh the my, dogs oh my god the dogs are at 4 50 to 5 a.m walk down the stairs so it's six flights down oh my god five and a half yeah <laughs> no wonder you're not hiking you don't need to <laughs> Take them out to the bathroom, feed them, go back up to bed, try to catch another hour if I can. I always push the limits. God bless our school. Leah's always like tiny late. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And we live a block away. <laughs> you will the closer you are, the harder it is. The morning ritual is probably my favorite part of the day. And it gives you so much self-esteem, right? Well, I'll tell you why. Because there's a game-changing element to it. Okay. Hit my knees right away. Same prayer for the last... 20. Third step and 10 step. Serenity, our father, and then a list of people. That grows. Really quick. All this is our isms, right? So it's like, we got to meditate. No, we got to sit more properly. No, we got to do this. And then the list is growing. Yeah, that prayer must take like <laughs> it's madness. 45 minutes. The last year this... of your life will be making that prayer. <laughs> and you'll have to add your name right as you die. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and me. <laughs> And people have died that were in that prayer. Sure. Oh. And then does it hit you emotionally or no? Sometimes no, sometimes yes. I'm always aware of it. Two of them have died. Is Charlotte's name in there? No. I don't pray Shout for out. the dogs. Oh, That's interesting. Dog. Well, Charlotte, I don't think you should pray for dogs, but yeah. maybe Charlotte. Yeah, well, Charlotte was like a human. Yes. Aww. Your girlfriend, right? Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> was, Let's call it what no, it was. I would also be like, Dax, look at her. No, Dax, look at her. <laughs> That's a beautiful woman. I sometimes <laughs> felt like I was interrupting things. <laughs> Speaking of, if I was in a relationship with someone who had a prayer like that, yeah. I would be obsessed with finding out if I was in that oh, list. Oh, sure. It you would know what's drive really me nuts? nuts is like in the 20 years I've been doing it, I think maybe I've missed like five days. Wow, that's great. Do you have a bit of a superstition like I do about the journal and sobriety? That that's Not the cornerstone to stay sober, of it? but I do feel like there's no better way to wake up and start thinking about other people. Yeah, because the rest of the day I'm going to be thinking about myself. Exactly. Everything is about, <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's start it off. Let's, let's at least get ahead of that. Before we can even find the, today's obsession, <laughs> right. let's make room for some other humans on planet Earth. But so. do you worry it will turn into a pathology? Because I used to do a prayer at night. It became bad. Because if I didn't do it or I was forgetting something, it would 
become a problem. So I just dropped the whole thing. There's something about the physical action of getting on your knees and putting your head down on your bed. That physical action alone feels so deferential in a beautiful way. Again, it might be your only moment of humility. In you know, it, it really That's is like true. to start out like that. It's so part of like breathing now. I don't really even think about it. So that dogs back to bed. And then I put a cold plunge in the basement of where I live. Dude, I thought you were about to say your bedroom. <laughs> and I was gonna fucking laugh. So this is becoming a Korean spawn there with like a bed in the corner. There's like no room to move. <laughs> so I jump in the cold plunge every single morning for three minutes. And every day I don't want to do it. Every day I'm in bed, I'm like, I don't need to do it. And I force myself to walk downstairs and it's cold outside. You know, it's cold yeah, in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? And then I do it, set the little timer on the phone, three minutes. I'm so happy when the alarm, and then I feel so fulfilled. I could literally go to bed and that's the end of the day. Same, that's the level of fulfillment. I do too, but I'm only about three days a week. I have so many goddamn routines in the morning <laughs> that it's like, you I have- a so Ellen. similar. <laughs> yeah, know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's a shocking we can be friends. <laughs> it is really crazy. Our birthdays are a month apart. Oh, our sobriety birthdays. Sorry, yes. Yeah, I, I always like mix five that up. Days yeah, apart. yeah. Our birthdays, our three birthdays days are three days apart. Yeah. Both born deaf. Just yeah. remind everyone. Yeah. What are the ways in? Both that think we're ugly. I know. I can't. I'll, Both trying to get all the approval is. in the world. If everyone could line up neatly. And just walk up to us and say, you're good, and then turn to the left. But then don't forget, you got to come back and say it again <laughs> yeah, in 10 minutes. I probably won't believe it. 30 seconds after you left, it'll feel obligatory. Just ah, line. In fact, if you could write it out, it'd be easier for me to... <laughs> you have that. You're an approval junkie. Honestly, I think I've grown a lot in the last three years. That's great. Was there an impetus for that? Yeah, getting older and realizing there are certain parts of me that have really needed serious work about intimacy with people, women specifically, like being in a like real healthy relationship. And also because I'm a father and I'm like, I just want to, the least amount of damage that I could do to my daughter, please let me work on myself. And it's also just getting older and people dying and mortality. Time's accelerating. That's the currency. That's it. Yeah. Nothing but time. And I think being at a place where I felt like I was willing to go to those places and a dear friend turned me on to this incredible therapist that like changed my life and really realizing the problem was I had no self-esteem. I think that when I came on before we talked about this, which was years ago now, I think it was not recent Right. It wasn't. It what was at you least two years ago. You would have been promoting. I don't think it the was. The Guillermo movie. Oh, it was. oh, oh so it, it wasn't was. that long ago. Yeah. When was that? Well, 2021. 2021? November 2021. I thought it, it was, was Thanksgiving. Okay, so two years. Two okay. Years, I thought it was months. more than that. Okay. Yeah. We're okay. Oh, a lot yeah. <laughs> Everything's okay. We can. We can um, it does feel like a long time ago. I was maybe like a year into it at that point. Self-esteem. And it all stemmed from, I don't know if you feel this, but creating a narrative about my upbringing that wasn't really my upbringing. So I was starting it all on a false premise. Interesting. Of like, I'm from Philly. I thought I was like a beautiful kid and they thought I was a girl and a chip on my shoulder and loving parents. That's actually not exactly the situation. Yeah. So if you're starting it out, and also Dax and I connected early on about our childhoods to a huge degree and our relationships to our fathers and all this stuff. Our mothers. Of course. Our we're mothers. like our mother's husbands. Yes. And we are the golden child That's that right. was going to be minimally president. But I guess that was part of my false narrative to a degree too. Was that all it was or was there more? I'm writing this memoir. Doesn't need to be published. Right. I'm writing it so I can get that version that I'm so afraid to lose out of my head. It'll be there. If I ever want to revisit it, it'll exist. That's my action of letting it go. Wow. There's the story I've been telling for my whole life. 
and now we're gonna just set that over there yeah. and maybe my dad was a beautiful guy and maybe he was a loving human well and also like physically nurturing a hugger and a kisser who got that in the 80s all this new information's coming in that's like nah. Eh. and my mom i love her to death she's also not the angel she was in my story that's right nor should she be and that's my or, fault it's not fair to it's her. not her exactly responsibility right. yeah. yeah i have no resentment over it. it's just like wow i had a really well, clean I story i used to not even knowing it because that's how the behavior i just found myself adrift and starting with the real foundation which again let's be honest, it's just another one. Yes. I might reject the notion that there's a real one. It's just, there's all this data. It's yes. just infinite data of your childhood. Well, it's all a story we're telling ourselves. Exactly. That's and for what sure. one serves you. In a feeling state, at least, I can tell when I'm more present when I'm not as a right. human being in my life. When I started to do this work of reevaluating the foundation of my life and trying to look at it with a more critical eye on honesty and reflecting on true memory, I found that the benefit is I'm much more present in my life. I don't need the things I thought I needed to fill up whatever hole I had. And all of a sudden, I'm willing to be more expressive, creative, present, giving, boundaried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, yes, it's another story, but it felt like, boy, it's way closer to something honest because the benefits are practical. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. For me, I guess, the thing I try to be critical of is the story is immaterial. Is the story serving to either excuse my character defects, justify me getting the things I want, or somehow setting up a situation where you'll be even more impressed by me because you know the story. So if the story has these kind of like self-serving gross motives, which most of my story does, I'm trying to self-aggrandize myself and seem like a victim and a victor at the same time. When I recognize that that's actually the purpose of the story, I think that's more what I'm currently honed in on. I could also tell that I had the luckiest childhood that anyone's ever had. There's enough data points for me to point to these. Well, relatively speaking, we're already in the stratosphere on that benchmark. But what's the goal? Why are we doing this? And the goal for me was I want to be able to be more of service to people in my life and then me also. And I wanted to stop living in my head so much, really, so that I could be present. And I wanted to love myself, like in a real way. Yeah. And then through that, all of a sudden, boundaries just came up that I could never create in relationships. What do those look like? My relationship with my mother completely oh, changed. Oh, boundaryless, yeah. Like completely, my relationship to it's, friendships. It's your bed, your my daughter. your bed, your shitter, your mother. <laughs> Three dogs. Does she respect the bound? Like, does she oh, like that they're up? Here's the thing that occurs, and I don't know if you have felt this with your mother, but it all just effortlessly falls into place because the bottom line is I'm finally an adult. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Do I fall back into to adolescent and childlike feelings and behaviors? Absolutely. But my baseline is an adult. Whereas before, my baseline was adolescence. When I was in a good space, I could live in the adult world for a little bit, but that wasn't my norm. Well, and yeah. Bradley, that's why work is so appealing to us, is that you have all the evidence of adulthood through work. Because grown-ups work. Yeah, and grown-ups yeah. execute. And talk about there's boundaries. You're walking into a systematic... Very clear. There's a start time and a hierarchy time. and everything. I definitely have escaped in work before. Yeah, because it feels like a very adult thing. Yeah. Well, and being a parent is a very adult thing too that can be misleading. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert if you dare.
I wanted to ask you this when you were talking about being a father. I wonder if you've had this realization or thought, which is, it's not a realization that would imply it's implicitly true. Have you had this thought? Girls grow up and marry their dads and boys grow up and marry their moms. So my daughters are gonna go try to find me. Holy fuck, I better be like the most spectacular version of myself. I want them going out and shopping for the one that's not deceptive or duplicitous or lying. I think about that a lot in terms of how does my relationship with my daughter impact her growth and the journey she's going to be on, and specifically romantically yeah. in life, wherever intimacy finds her. I've clocked that she's going to be seven in March. You know my relationship with my dad. Yeah. Spent a lot of time with him. I think I've already logged more hours with my daughter than I did with my dad his entire life. Yeah, same, same. So, so yeah, yeah. that alone is <laughs> yeah. bonkers. Were they yeah. divorced? No. It wasn't like I was estranged with my dad. Yeah, yeah. But the sheer just amount of time that my daughter and I have hung out is bonkers. I just can feel the safety that she feels. It's so it's tangible. Palpable, it's yeah. palpable. That is so fulfilling. And again, this foundation that you and I created, manifested in order to justify the needs that we had growing up was all based on living in an environment where we had to survive to understand what was real, right? I was playing a game my whole childhood, a survival game. Why? Because things were not as what they seemed. Growing up with alcoholism in a family is a very specific way to grow up. What you think is real, you find it isn't real, and it's earth-shattering. It's like finding out that we're living in some sort of metaverse. You know, it's like yeah. that kind of macro. You're not human. You're not breathing right now. So as a kid, you're like, wait, that's not my dad? Who's my dad? What the heck's happening? All you do is dissect behavior like a scientist to try yes. to understand what's real. So to be able to have a child not grow up that way? Not monitoring your every movement yeah. to try to predict what's next? Wow. I wanted to have as much as she can a foundation that's like 25 feet thick cement that she can walk on this earth with. That's the goal. Of course. And do you find yourself having conversations with her, lying in bed or whatever, and then you leave and you go like, Oh, yeah, I didn't ever have a conversation like that. All the time. Every conversation. <laughs> her ability to articulate her feelings at six years old. Same. My daughters can do a four-step in like 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, no question. Her mother and I are balled over at this human being that we're raising that is able to articulate. And by the way, in her voice, like I don't even think I even found what my speaking voice was right. really like <laughs> yeah. until like a couple years ago. <laughs> right. You know, I'm like, I think I'm lowering it a little. It's okay, I have a sort of higher, sorry, yeah. just be me. <laughs> Sure, it's yeah. fine. Someone will love me. Or more importantly, I will. Yes, mm. yes. Our nine-year-old will have an enormous, I mean, she swears, which I love. I'll hear like, you're not the fucking queen of this place. To her sister or something. You know, she can let a fuck rip and it's great. And she doesn't do it often. But anyways, she can go for it. And then like 15 minutes later, she'll come and be like, I got really scared you weren't going to include me in that thing. So I tried to hurt you back, but I never feel like <laughs> I mean, when I try to hurt it you. Is, it is oh my crazy. God, I was like 38. I've been in AA for fucking... <laughs> Nine years before I figured out how to get I mean, halfway it's there. Unbelievable. Oh, it's so And by the awesome. way, thank goodness they're armed with that because the oh. world now is so much more complicated than it was when we were growing up. And the access to information, everyone's opinion. Yeah, we just didn't hear it. We were making up terrible stories about everyone's opinion, but they actually hear it. I remember being like 12 years old and hear the term corruption. And I remember like, what's corrupt? 
I didn't even know what like corruption was. Uh -huh. Like, what does that mean? Asking my dad that. I remember driving down Broad Street. It was on like the news or something. Dad, what is that? I feel like our children are exposed to the realities of human behavior and how septic it can be. And just globally what's going on. We just have so much information. It's hard for me to even be able to compute it and be able to keep moving on as a person throughout the day to grow up with that, that that's the norm. I'm so glad that our children have that articulation yeah. about their feelings so that they can live in some sort of calm Yeah, equilibrium. Yeah, equilibrium. yeah. Yeah, you gotta wonder like chicken or the egg, maybe it's already just completely required. Like again, we didn't change and evolve until we were forced to. And it's almost like they have to already have found that. No question. Or they would be miserable. This is all they know. But boy, it wasn't like that. Isn't it? I mean, it is, I, people get sick of me. It's, I sound like a proselytizer. I'm always- Being a parent? Yes. It, honestly, I'm not sure I'd be alive if I wasn't a dad. I don't know. What would have happened? I, I mean, think you'd be alive. I, I don't think know. you'd just be fucking. I don't know, man. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think I'd be alive, but I also think. Do you? Yeah. I don't think I could have ever achieved real self-esteem. Oh, no them. question. That's really what And it don't is. you think at 49 with no self-esteem, that's pretty scary. scary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. With your makeup? Yeah. Was I going to make it pretty to 80? Scary. No. All the things I chased to get that feeling that was not going to be obtained through any other way than this. For me. Other people get there for sure. I see it all the time. There's yeah, tons of yeah. childless people. Of course. I'm just my talking about my experience. Isms. Yeah. I just needed someone to say, like, we're gonna drop this massive anchor. And I'm like, why? We're speeding. I just got an upgrade on the boat <laughs> yeah, and I know where the wind's coming engine. in. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 no. There's a tsunami coming <laughs> and you need an anchor and we're gonna drop it. Because this is gonna dictate everything you're gonna do from now on. Your DNA is going to tell you that there's something more important than you. I remember the first time I realized, because everyone's like, I would die in a second for my kid. I'm always like, if I'm being honest, uh, I don't know. Like the first yeah. like eight months, I'm like, I don't even know if I really love the kid. We don't know it's her yet. It's dope. It's cool. <laughs> I'm watching this thing morph. And then all of a sudden. I love that honesty, by the way. That's my experience. That's a lot of people's, I think, and they're afraid to say that. I mean, my experience was totally that. Fascinated by it. Love taking care of it. Would I die if someone came in with a gun? It's only a couple of months. I don't know. I got <laughs> she, she just arrived. Yeah. She didn't have any drinks. I'm not committed see, yet. She is I don't three know. Hours. She could be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> a psychopath. Uh, I could be doing you a favor. Uh, who knows? And then all of a sudden, it's like, no question. That knowledge alone. For me, the thing is, I spent 38 years evaluating had I gotten enough love. Who didn't give me enough love? Who should have given me more love? Who should have been more of service to me? That was my only analysis. I was never asking like, well, how many people have you loved? How many people have you oh, interesting. committed your resources to? How much have you given? And I think having them forced me to flip the equation around, which is like my goal now is to give as much as I could. And then of course, ironically, and against what I would have guessed, I feel the most love by giving it. I don't feel that love by receiving it. Whether I'm broken or that's human, I don't know, but it's like, you can give me a lot of love and it does work for a minute, but ultimately it doesn't. But the giving it, it's the self-esteem thing. It's like, no, no, that's actually foundational and permanent. You can't take away the 11 years I've given to Lincoln. I can feel your love for me go away quite easily. That's right. It's like the first permanence. Also. How about looking in a woman's eyes and going, I love you forever, for real, and I'm never going anywhere, for real. No matter how you act, what you are, I had not had that sensation before them. Yeah, the word unconditional. <laughs> it actually means something. Yes. Yes.
And I don't say that I don't love Kristen and won't be no, there no, for no. her. But it's, it's a like totally Kristen different thing. could do enough stuff that I would be out. That's also a reality. There are conditions to my love and marriage. But tell me this, even what you've already been through, and I'm just speaking hypothetically, you probably would have been out. The old guy. Sure, if you lined him up at the beginning, it's like, here's what's coming your way. Right. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, keep shopping. No, there's a sense of ease. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like I'm a different person because it was always predicated on the behavior that could be happening right now. Like, I could be in and out. Let's see what you got. Because yes. I'll be out in two seconds. In fact, you're always looking for it. Right. What a horrible place for the other person to oh, be in. I know. What a horrendous place. Mm. Again, to bring it back to The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, let's go. And you can see people that are living that way. In fact, I was watching an episode last night. And I was, I was, <laughs> I I was commenting on, like, I could see that that person is talking to the other person in a way of, like, what are you going to do? Because I'm out in two seconds. Yeah. I'd like to be here, yeah. but yeah, I'm also but, so scared. But I'm not even showing you that I'm scared. I'm showing you that are you the person that you're- Are you good enough for me? Are you good enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And no one's good enough for you because you're not good enough for you. I mean, I would never be so bold to say what that person's feeling, but I related to it in the way that I have been, you know, without even knowing it. And But now I look back and think, what a horrible thing to put people through. Yeah. And we've dealt with this in our friendship. You shared with me that you felt like you've had to walk on eggshells with me in periods of our friendship. And I think that's what that was about to a degree. But I didn't even realize it. Yeah, I've had the feeling like he's trying to figure out how I'm screwing him over. And it's very stressful. Exactly. Like, I don't know how to say I don't have any ill intentions exactly. for you. It breaks my heart that I put you through that. Well, I've put you through <laughs> This is how they work, the yeah. friendship. No, it's true. But back to the women, I guess this is where, too, the narrative, this is where it served me is I do have conditions romantically. I actually kind of stand by that. You can't be a raging addict hosting orgies in front of our kids and think you're going to live with me in this house. But I do think this is where the story is corrosive is I've been married since I was born to a woman and that woman brought people around and I have pledged to myself because I love myself. I won't be along for the ride of a woman I love. And so that's the baggage I carry to previous relationships is like I'm waiting for you to behave in a way that maybe my mom did that I've pledged to myself I won't tolerate ever again. Do you feel like you've been married to your mom since you were born? No question that my relationship to my mother is a massively profound element of my makeup in life. But my relationship to my mother is so different than yours to your mother. I agree. One of the foundations that I didn't realize was the lack of intimacy in my life as a kid. And that seeking out intimacy was part of what I wanted because I felt so alone. That was a narrative I didn't even know because I grew up the miracle kid and then they get, get out children. All of a sudden, I looked like a beautiful girl. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the yeah, whole yeah. thing, yeah. chip on my shoulder from Philly, all that stuff. Right, right. It's like, wait a second, wait a second. What was the What's reality? actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were shy as shit, dude. You were alone a lot. And part of that bored imagination, which thank goodness I've been able to put into art. We would both agree, right? I'm eternal. Eternally grateful for my childhood. Oh. I'm exactly yes, yes. where I Let, want to be. be clear. I wouldn't change an element. Me neither. We always talk about this. Being addicted to cocaine, greatest gift of my life. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I don't think I would have gotten sober. If right. it was just alcohol, I think I would have carried the lineage of my predecessors. And I'd be Made 50. It I'd be a dad thinking that drinking's fine. And then one day my daughter would see me the way I saw my dad. And who knows what I would do. Yeah, then it all blows up. Okay, this is really perfect foundation for Maestro. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is. Yeah. First of all, obviously, it's really, really well made. You it's did it again. Really Congratulations. perfectly acted. Everything's great. Very unique tone that's consistent over three different film stocks. And all of that is really impressive. 
the opening line is great art will create more questions than it answers in a nutshell. And this man who I know nothing about, Leonard Bernstein, I'm so fucking mad at. I hate his fucking guts. I hate him so much. It's so personal watching this, which again is a testament to how fucking great it is. I finished it. My first knee jerks are like, why even make a movie about a guy like that? I mean, when he looks at his daughter and lies, I wanted to fucking go through the screen and kill him. Because you wanted him to tell the truth? Yes, and I'll get to what it's all about. But this morning while journaling, I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and I'm like, it's all a continuum. I'm on that continuum. I am Leonard Bernstein. I want glory. I want to be seen as special. I want to have a skill that's rare. I want to be adored. I want to indulge all of my carnal whimsies, but also have the love of my children and my wife. I want to be a selfish monster, and I want to create some kind of art or product that will excuse all my shittiness. And I always hate the people that are most like me. That's who I hate the most. That's who fucking gets me enraged. And I am in such judgment of other people that have what I have. I don't think I'm Leonard Bernstein, but I think I'm on the continuum. And I think I fight being him. And so for me, of course, the one moral high ground I have is that I would never look at my daughters and deny the reality they witnessed. And so that was the moment where like, well, he's a piece of fucking shit and I'm not. <laughs> and then I woke up and I journaled this But I have a question, went, that scene, what did you think was going on with him in that scene? Do you think it was hard for him to lie to her? I think it was really hard for him to lie to her. And I think he told himself he was doing it for his wife. And I think maybe you even as an actor were doing it for your wife. But then I go, but then go one step further. The wife only has to deal with this humiliation of having sold out her feminism. And she's afraid to be in front of her daughter, a bad model of what a woman should respect herself for because of you. So sure, you kicked it down the road and said, I'm lying to protect my wife. But really, the reason your wife needs you to lie is because of you. He didn't get out of jail for me in that scene. Does it that make any for sense? the wife, I don't think. I mean, it was, but it was for her. Well, Sometimes no, he, the, lying. He, but he said, I want to tell her. She's old enough. She's smart enough. And then the wife was like, you can't. But then when he's sitting with her, I think it was for her. I don't think it was in service of the wife. Well, I could tell you what was going on because yeah. I remember that very... No, 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 no. I mean, going on with me This is Lenny. so great, though, that Monica and I always have debates. Yeah, and it's rare that you can, like, right turn there. to the person who knows the truth. <laughs> no, but I don't know the truth. I don't know the truth. Right, I mean, right, that's right. the thing. I don't know the truth at right. all. Meaning, I don't even know the truth about the actual conversation that occurred or even, like, the truth of what is the movie. Yes. And by the way, I don't know if I even shared this with you, but throughout the process of making the movie, I went through the same machinations that you just described about him. Uh -huh. I was like, fuck this guy. I'm an idiot. Why am I spending all this time? Uh -huh. Did Dedicated to an asshole. And it was only because I'm like, oh no, he's reflecting all the shit that terrifies me about myself. Dude, it's one of the most brutal mirrors I've ever seen. You know, and it's into. like, oh shit. And if I want to try to approach this without acting, really go there. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to be anchoring it to the things in you. Exactly. And in that moment, I remember so well, because I tried to get it to have two cameras, but the composition I won, I couldn't. So we actually shot separately the sides. Because you're in 4-3 at that point still? Yeah, one three three. So you don't have the width to yeah. do dueling overs. Yeah, and I didn't want to do French overs. I right. could have done it if I did French Too overs. Intimate. It was like the movies showing that we're hiding, and I don't want it to be that way. It's supposed to be like I'm actually revealing. You almost want to straight down the barrel in this movie. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want the audience to to be behind them. I want them to be in no between safety. them. No, no safety. safety. No distance. We're distant in other moments where we're peeking in, you know, when they're fighting and we're like, what's going on? But now, no, we're in the middle. This is a reckoning. 
it was so hard for me to lie to her. Oof. Every element of my body was saying, this goes against everything I believe. As Bradley. As Lenny and Bradley. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, you guys are in concert there. You know, when she says I'm relieved. Exactly. And I'm going, oh, fuck. No. I can't teach you this. Relieved about what? You're basically going to live through the constructs that have been dictated to us. Because early in the movie, the reason why he talks to Felicia, he's like, you're like me. I could tell you have this accent that's kind of, I can't place. But your father's American, but you grew up in Chile. You lied about coming to New York to say piano, but it's acting. We're the same person because the world wants us to be one thing. And I find that fucking deplorable. And I actually find you attractive. You know, remember in college, even when we first started hanging out, we spoke, like we just kept like talking. Like we were gacked up without gack. <laughs> yeah, yes, dude. <laughs> it's because you're so excited to meet a like-minded person. Yeah. That was like his anchor. Yes, the world won't accept me, but I'll never put out this fire. And this fire eventually burns everything down. Yes. Unfortunately. Yes, yes, we can yes. get to that in yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah. But in that moment, I would never say that really is Lenny, but that character Lenny it fucking killed him to lie to her. Yeah, you could right. tell. Because the one thing he could hold on to was his identity of an unabashedly honest human being in a world that's trying to put him in a different category, which is the most selfish his, his if own, you think about it. Also, but it's the only time we've seen his own behavior actually catch up with him. That's he true. He sees it affect other people. He has to curtail his own way of living. So that was a fascinating scene to experience. I think it's the most powerful scene in the movie. I think it's funny that you two projected those feelings, like you were so angry at him, because when I watched it, I felt so bad for him. I felt anger in the preparation. I didn't feel any anger towards him while I was filming it. Because life is so complex and people are so complex and he's just one person caught up in this complexity. And I believe that he can have all these feelings all at once and that the world doesn't allow for that, but that's his truth. And how do you reconcile that? So for me, I was just like, oh, life is so hard. What I like about it is it exposes our own things. So there would have been another character that would have been doing something that's one of your flaws in character right, and you would be saying. irate yeah. and I would be like again I've overcome snorting cocaine so when I see people snorting cocaine I'm not like those losers they need to get their shit together I just have compassion and I get it six months sober I was like, these motherfuckers never going to get their shit together. You know, I don't have that issue anymore. But I think it's just so funny. And then it's so obvious to me why you and I have the same reaction and interest in this is that we got a lot of feelings about someone that acts like that. I don't have a lot of feelings about Carrie. She might have been flawed throughout this, and she probably did things that if you were a codependent or someone that lost your identity to another person, you'd be in such great judgment of her the whole movie. I wasn't, because that's not the fucking dragon I'm battling every night in bed. Dragon's the right word. That's what she calls him. Oh, right. You know, you're a dragon. And that's part of it. He's like, oh, you see me and you love me? Yeah. You know I'm a dragon <sighs> and you're kissing me? Yeah. You know, that's why that first scene when they're rehearsing, that's what she says to him. When he's playing the king. And yes, she's exactly. Yes. Who doesn't want to be with someone who sees you and loves you? So I could do anything I want. And then there's the tragic flaw. And again, you evaluate your life. It's the great relapse fantasy. It's like, I can do it this way. And as long as the other people don't know, that'll be a success. I just could keep it from everybody. And you ignore the fact that you'll never keep it from yourself. His behavior comes home to roost in that scene with his daughter, irregardless of the other people around him, That's whether right. he's kept it on the rails or not. And you're right, no matter whether it was that moment in his life or another, it was going to come back to roost, like you said. And also, 
the duality of he's also teaching and helping. No one's good or bad. Part of what she said seeped in, because be kind to him. Those are the last words she says to her daughter, basically, in the movie. Kindness, kindness, kindness. Yeah. So something did seep through. I mean, of course, you're always evaluating whether someone's doing just enough good stuff to excuse their bad stuff. Like, just keeping their own self-esteem in a homeostasis. Two for you, one for me. I've certainly been guilty of two goods, and now I, I've earned something right. for me. The other for me genius element was I have no reverence for conductors. Full honesty, I have been to the symphony. I'm watching the guy with the baton and I'm watching the musicians and I'm like, they don't ever look at this guy. This is like, I'm wrong. No, you're not. Kristen, explain no, the but, whole but thing. No, but you're not. That does occur. Okay. So for me, it was such a wonderful exposure of my own priorities and things I value, which is... He's getting so much love and affection for this thing that a Dak Shepherd thinks is almost fraudulent. Really, you spin this thing around, that's such an accomplishment, that's worthy of worship and praise. And it's preposterous that that little tiny thing he does would excuse anything. And then I go, yeah, and my things are just as preposterous. I too have a stupid thing I do. Does that make any sense? Yes, that's really interesting. I mean, it was very helpful that this character was such a legend in something that I didn't personally But he also ever... composed. Now, had you done a rock star or a film director or a race car driver, I would have been trapped in the a little bit of, yes, this is a worthy pursuit and does justify some shit. You do have to dedicate yourself to your thing in a manner that alienates other people. But because I could find no purchase in the things he excelled at, that actually like is a gift to me. Because it pointed out how equally it. preposterous the things I value are. And that there isn't a hierarchy in it. It's just you do something great and you hope you won't have to play by any rules because you do something great. 100%. It got me fucking revved up. <laughs> I'm glad. It's really, wow. really good. Yeah, it got really me well really, wow, really revved up. <laughs> like it took me all night to sleep on it and then to journal about it this morning. Because I was even thinking like, what am I going to talk to Cooper about? What is my angle? And so, other than the obvious things, like I said, it's fucking perfectly made. I didn't know how I felt emotionally about it. And then once I was journaling, I'm like, oh, I know exactly how I feel about this. This is the kind of person I hate because this is the side of me I hate. The reason I did the movie, one of the reasons in terms of focusing on him and investigating this person is that in the research, and we talk about elements of ourselves and him, but this guy lived his life in all of those aspects you're saying at a hundred. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Like that right. one human being was able to, with such abandon, embody all of the hypocrisies and contradictions of the human experience in his lifetime was mind-blowing to me. No wonder he died at he 72. He full throttle. Full throttle from 13 years old till 72. Right. right. Started smoking when he was 13, ashtrays in the bathtub, couldn't sleep, by the way. Total insomniac, add that to the equation, yeah. asthmatic. He was probably feeling physically terrible while also pushing through. I mean, if he was healthy, he would have lived to like 130. You know, and I talked <laughs> right. to his kids about it. I was like, what happened to his brain? Because, you know, drank a lot. The guy just devoured. He was a dragon. Yes, yeah. yes. Chomp, chomp, chomp. And they were like, his brain was sharp as a tack till he died. It's like God gave him everything. Let's see how the human experience works on this human being when they have everything. Beautiful, charismatic, effortlessly, totally present. If you watch interviews with him, he reminds me of Michael Jordan. There's like no inner monologue. It's just, you're asking him a question and he's answering it. His sense of self, whatever that thing is that he was given, is so concrete and ebullient 
for others to be around. That's why everybody I interviewed said like, well, when he walked in the room, you know, it's what you hear about Clinton, the energy changes. If he looks at you, you're like, I'm seen. You're the only person in the room. These are massive weapons. To explore this guy that reflects to various degrees in all of us, he embodied everything at a 10. I thought, this is interesting. That was the thought. I do believe the more I sit on it, because as you just say that, yeah, like massive arsenal. What human is going to navigate that with total morality at all times? That's a lot. To have that effect on people and to not enjoy that and to not want to live in that permanently. I mean, think about it. A guy brought a gun to school to kill him, a student, because he couldn't take that this person was living. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh-huh. it reflected how less than he was and that his teacher strangled him during a rehearsal. Those things happened. One of the things I realized was that I'd never tell my daughter is like, you hurt my feelings, ever. Because a kid can't hurt an adult's feelings. That's too much power to give them. Because when I was a kid and I heard that I was causing acid to run down my grandfather's esophagus, right? Because you say you give me agita. I'm six years old going, how am I pouring acid down this god who was a police officer? Imagine being a young man in your 20s and a kid comes to school to try to kill you because of jealousy and your teacher is strangling you because you're too talented. Think about what that would do to you. Have you found compassion in playing him? I guess we all know this. This is a well-worn trope. You can't be in judgment of the people you play. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about that the other day. I think I live by that, like you have to love your characters. I don't believe that at all. The one gift that I've been given is empathy as a human being. And the flip side is that is I'm so sensitive and could be hurt so easily. I think that also is part of why I feel like I found the right thing to do with my life professionally. Those things could be a benefit to telling a story. They're like height for a center. Yeah, and I have so much empathy for him because of all the things I've just been saying, because he was alive and had all of these traits as a human being, and he had to survive with that. And it's not like a two-for-one thing that you're saying, but I don't believe at all. You know, that fight when she says it's just hate in your heart, all you care about is showing everybody that they're less than you. I don't believe that at all. And nor does she. And that's the hope of that. That's also too binary. Yeah. Exactly. I think it can be both. Of course he loves the idol aspect. But at the core, what I feel from him, and you could take any video, if you like YouTube, Leonard Bernstein, played any random one, and you and I talked about his eyes and his voice, I don't see hate. I see generosity. Now that doesn't mean he wasn't a monster at times. But I do believe there's a deep light. And that's where we get into a much harder and more nuanced question, which is, can we have these super special people and expect that they're going to be completely normal than when we need them to be? His tragic flaw, and it's by his upbringing, the way society viewed him, his religion, his talent. He had a whole bunch of weapons pointed towards him. But his tragic flaw and what we know now living in this, in quotes, evolved culture is that he could have done the work to try to be more centered and have boundaries and be able to live a life of kindness. And I think that he didn't have those tools. Yeah, he was living when if you're an alcoholic, you went to the sanitarium. That's right. Yeah. That's a great point. You can only be so disappointed in someone living in the context. It has to be contextualized. Yeah, that's very fair. 
he had a lot of fires burning all at once. I can have a great family. I'll fuel that fire. Everybody wants to fuck me. I'll fuel that fire. I'm a once-in-a-generation artist. I'll fuel that, composing and conducting. Very hard to stoke both with equal fervor. So you have all these fires burning. You can't keep them all. I mean, if I've learned one thing, focus on one thing. But if you're trying to keep all of these things going eventually they're not going to be tended to and they're going to burn out or they're going to take over everything. Well, and that gets to the heart of one of my cardinal sins. I'm greedy. I want everything. I want to be the best drummer in Los Angeles. But do you still? No, it definitely has dissipated. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even sitting here watching you, I don't see any of that. Do you? It can be confusing. I'm really referencing the foundational stuff I battle and I do think there's been great progress. So I am in no way... Because your core, that I will go to the grave, is kindness. No matter all this shit you and I have been through. If not kindness, I want the best for the people that I love. I would say that's sure. kindness. Okay, good. good, yeah. good, good. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're going to define it. And I don't, it. now here's the thing, I wasn't sure. I was urged to declare this diagnosis on him. But I was looking for like just textbook narcissism as like a real personality disorder. Are the people around him props or is he genuinely concerned about the people around him. Does he want to help them as much as he wants to be helped by them? That was another thing I found myself kind of evaluating. And again, because like I would alcoholism, I try to really go, hey man, it'd be real easy for you to start drinking the Kool-Aid. You gotta really mind yourself about narcissism. And so I think I'm hyper aware of other people, right or wrong. But who's keeping him in check? Why can't he have all of it? for a long time. No one's saying stop this or no one's giving ultimatums. So what Was human what human would say, I guess on my own, I'm gonna give up this thing that is fulfilling me right now. None of us would do that if there weren't people saying you can't. Like no if you weren't bet- actively that. betraying someone. Yeah, and they're saying, look, I'm walking out or I'm leaving or you can't do this to me. That was not happening. And so it would take a astronomical level of understanding. I think there was a lot of no. First of all, just professionally what he overcame. Never an American conductor, certainly a Jew. Yeah. To come into this art form. Hoover had a folder on him that was this thick. Looks about three inches to the <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> For the listener. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine those are all tiny papers, very thin papers. <laughs> the yeah. thinnest available but that's what for I the mean. FBI. <laughs> he overcame and so you, much. And, and if you go back and read, talk about bad reviews. Oh, did he get eviscerated? Oh, his whole career. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so comforting, isn't it? People made fun of his tactics. In the 80s, his conducting was all of a sudden praised by the very people that were ridiculed. You know, he was a unicorn. People don't want unicorns. They're scared. And the other difference I felt that I can't relate to is I don't know so much that he needed the praise of people because he was so aware that he was a dragon. He had that in his own heart. Because it was a reality. You know, that was the idea of the beginning of the movies. He's not living with us. And God says, I'm going to call you to come down here and show people this thing. Now, that's a huge gift. I'm giving you. Let's see what you do with it. We've witnessed it most recently yeah. a couple times in John Batiste. Oh, dude. Oh. Dude. Yeah, no. He's he is. He's a, gi- yeah. he's no, a it's gift. He's a joke. And talk about present. I can see in John Batiste's eyes that he is both grateful for the adoration, but that's not even in the equation. His pursuit is so far beyond <laughs> that. And that was Lenny's too, I felt. That helps me link those two, actually. Okay. He was like a ridiculous talent. 
Lenny, when you get a chance, just YouTube, Leonard Bernstein does the history of music in five minutes. Oh, fuck. Okay. Dude. It'll be it a very is, John experience. It is. He takes you through the beginning of sound oh, to now. Oh, wow. In five minutes. Yeah, I need to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, okay. And you're asking a lot. Again, here's the compassion thing. You're asking so much. You're asking someone to live on another plane where that stuff is accessible and then between 5 p.m. and 9 a.m. live on your plane. That's what I was asking. Do we have to have some kind of tolerance for if we want the things we want? Is Michael Jordan the funnest teammate? No, you're not going to get the funnest teammate and the teammate that brings you six championships. There also has to be some level of honesty in these equations, I guess. Yes. Now, it doesn't excuse no. if you're being hurt by that person, but at the same time, there's just a certain reality. I think a lot of people want a lot of reward and not a lot of risk. <laughs> and that feels dishonest as well. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. Getting back to what's the reason to make this movie, I never really thought about weighing the analysis of it all in terms of judgment or win or lose. It was more like, I think this guy reflects things that we all feel and go through on a cinematic level because it's on steroids. So the hope is, is the reason why you guys do this, you want to connect with people. That's it, bottom line. Can it connect with you so you don't feel so alone as a human? Period. It's real simple. And I hope to let you into my POV occasionally. That is the connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the means by which we don't feel so alone. I don't want to live in a room by myself for my whole life. I need people. Also, they're great reminders because you evaluate everyone around you assuming they're living in the same reality as you are, and it's wrong. And to have something tangible to experience someone else's reality actually reminds you like, oh, no, we're all living in our own little thing. And so it's really important to remember this isn't the only version. It's all subjective. There's yeah. nothing objective about reality, which is scary, but true. But we assume it is. And don't you think social media and media in general reflects just how disparate how realities are? A hundred percent. We actually have a booklet of another reality that we could open up and read. And you're like, oh, wow, that's a completely different analysis of even things and people that I know. Yes. Right. You and I are doing it individually, personally, with our own story. It's like, oh, that was a story that worked for 40-some years. That's right. Is that still the story that'll work for the next 40 and might be time to make a new one? Yes. I just wanted to ask really quick because you had done so much research. I recently read the Mike Nichols His biography. biography. Have you read that? I read sections of it. I heard it's incredible. I was thinking about you the entire time I read it. I just kept thinking... Cooper has to be obsessed with this book. And again, I was a Philistine on him. I, like everyone in New York knows about Mike Nichols. It's like a very elevated, same with Lenny Bernstein. And Leonard Bernstein was godfather to their children. I knew you were doing the movie and then I was reading the book and then I was learning that Mike hung out with him in Martha's Vineyard all the time. And then of course I got more interested <laughs> Leonard Bernstein because this new guy I'm obsessed with, Mike Nichols, was somehow connected to him and sharing something. But again, I don't know what parts of that book you read, but you know, he was like fucking smoking crack during yeah, a lot of these movies. I know. And then addicted to this benzo that made him go crazy for a year and he like sold everything he owned because he thought he was going broke. I mean, this motherfucker was on a ride 
while making all these incredible things. And I didn't even know he had been the most legendary comedian of his day. Right. <laughs> what? I know. Nichols and May. Insane. Yes. So to me, I was like, oh, these two feel very similar in that they're doing everything. Yes. Somehow Mike Nichols is the best Broadway director, but he's also doing movies. And he was the most inventive comedian with May. And fucking smoking crack. And a father. And married to Diane Sawyer. Makes me so fascinated with her. Yeah. And beloved. Totally. Yeah. That's the key. But that was at a time when you could be. I don't know about now. <laughs> Given his lifestyle, you mean? Yeah, and just that we don't like keeping people on top now. Oh, interesting. We want him to be that, but then we'd love to tear him down at this point, if he was happy yes. now. What's your relationship to that? People wanting people to fall. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I don't think anyone's nefarious or malicious. I think that we are all blueprinted to tell stories. And when someone gets to the very top, we need a third act. So unless they can get higher, yeah, I think in general people are like, well, what's next? And status monkeys, you get tired of seeing the same people on top and it feels unjust and unfair. And so let's use our power to take them down. I think it's rough. What do you think about it? I never thought of it. It's always so interesting to hear your point of view. This idea of like just needing more of a story because then it gets stale. I look at it from a different point of view, my own lens, which is I don't want to be alone. And I do think that's a deep need. I mean, we're social animals, Exactly. period. There's nothing easier to connect with somebody by putting somebody else down, right? That's the old thing. You and I can shit on somebody that we know and we'll feel like, oh, look how connected we are. It won't last long. Let me long applaud though. you. And I have given you credit on here many times. You are actually the person that pointed that out to me. I can remember so clearly three things you've said to me. One was when someone's talking shit about someone else to me, it tells me more about them than the person they're talking shit about. I was like, ugh. That opened up a whole world to me. One was my own vanity. Oh, other people are onto what Cooper said. <laughs> I'm just exposing myself. Two, I started noticing I do it to point out a virtue of my own. If I'm on set and I go like, oh, where's Mike? 15 minutes behind, I guess. If I say that, I'm saying I'm on time. And I actually won't move through the world bragging about myself for being on time. So once I just connect the pieces of what I'm really doing, then I don't have an appetite for it anymore. And I've discovered so many traits of my behavior that I didn't even realize until this foundation thing, this new story we are telling ourselves that's more close to the truth. And I laugh at my boundaryless behavior. And I think like, oh, I know what I was doing. I had justified it all because I'm honest. That whole thing. Yeah. Well, I don't lie. It's a little bit more than that. Unless you're lying to yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you might be telling the truth. Yeah, all the time. Your truth yeah, yeah, yeah. is totally wrong. And I could feel to myself, it's so much easier to shit on somebody and connect. And I feel like this new reality that's out there that has been cultivated for years. When we first started being in this business, I think is the inception of it with like message boards. Mm. You know, remember back in the day. Oh, your story with message boards yeah. is so fantastic. <laughs> but I think that was the beginning of it. And now if you're part of a school council, you can go and read the comment. Like it's everywhere. Everybody has their own little pocket of Hollywood yes. and has to sustain a, a level of humanity or just sustenance given the amount of slings and arrows that they can read about themselves on a daily basis. What saddens me is that it's the easiest way to connect with people by putting other people down. That's kind of sweet though. When you actually frame it that way, it gives me sympathy for the two monkeys talking shit on the third monkey. It's like, oh, I see. They want companionship. 
this seems like the easiest way. But it's way. still hurtful. Mm -hmm. Oh God, yeah. But my goal is to hopefully give everyone the benefit of the doubt. It's very hard for me a lot of times, but when you frame it that way, it actually allows me to be a little sympathetic to it. Yeah, because I can relate to it. It's not like these people are monsters and I'm a good guy. It's I don't want us as a collective to go into that base, easy way of communicating because all it's going to do is cannibalize ourselves because everybody's going to start feeling horrible about themselves. Suicide rate's going to skyrocket, drug use, and we're going to get lost. To grow takes work and not easy work and it never ends. Yeah, bad news. But when you work hard and people are working hard around you and love is the actual tool. I can't believe that this movie got made the way it did. There was a tremendous amount of adversity, but there were enough people filled with love that made this film. And that's the only reason that it was able to become what it is. And that I know for a fact until I don't know it, which is you and I undertake something and we work hard and we approach it with love. I don't know what we're capable of achieving. Because we're doing it together, I don't know where the ceiling is. Right. That's right, really right, exciting. Right, right. We're a multiplicate. But if I do it on my own, I know I'll never get to where I could get if I'm surrounded by people that are all working together. Mm -hmm. This ability to connect with each other so quickly, globally, as a collective, we have so much opportunity. It just saddens me that the negative aspect of it is also so destructive because it's the easiest. Yeah. Well, it's incredible. Do you know what you're going to do next? Yeah. Oh, fun. I watched it and when it ended, I was like, I don't know where he musters up another. I want to talk to you about it offline. I'm very curious what you're going to think because I always love your perspective. Well, thank you. I also need to just point out it doesn't have anything to do with maestro but of course in my research i watch your most recent fallon you guys have the most special thing <laughs> it's so fun to watch i can't believe how fun it is to watch you two i'm together. glad do you fucking just I feel love that. Yeah. going there yeah totally. you are so calm when you're there it's incredible you've got like these very low energy counter punches that are so great <laughs> the whole time you're never in a hurry it's very bill murray when you're there what do you think it is about that relationship? Does it exist outside of the show? I don't really know him outside right. the show that well at all. Like oh, zero. Wow. Did you see the most recent one? I don't know if I saw the most recent. Oh my God. I don't know if it's an in-show promo for these actual oh, glasses. Yeah, glasses. He's got like these glasses that you can hit oh. record on at any oh, time. Oh, I did see that. I yes, and they're that. like going back and forth the glasses. It could probably have gone on for 26 minutes. I don't know. And then we're trying to talk about the high school reunion. You guys can't do anything sincere. That's what's consistent it's between the two. It's chemistry. That's real. Yes. And every time you try to talk about something for real, it cannot be done. And there's something so <laughs> fucking entertaining about it. Getting back to this story thing I know I keep talking about, but I've noticed as I've gotten older and more present and boundaried, I'm just calmer in my life. And one way that I really recognize it is how I cry. Because this Love on the Spectrum show, I cry through the whole show. <laughs> right, right. Whenever I get emotional in my life, I'm always like, I'm the ugliest crier. Because sure. my whole body starts to shake. Like, I was never like the one tear guy. Right. Like, I'm like, you sure you want me to cry in this scene? Because it's going to be, you're going to feel <laughs> very... You're going to widen out. My body's going to move around. Yeah, it's going to be very uncomfortable. I'm frame yeah. at some point. <laughs> and music is so moving. I mean, I cried a lot through the research of this movie because I went to so many concerts. But that was happening in tandem of all this work I was doing. I cry so differently now. Oh. My body doesn't convulse. Because you're not trying to squeeze it in so hard. There's just more relaxation. That oh, was one wow. of the byproducts. I recognized that a couple months ago. I was like, tears are just coming down. I'm not like having a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> right. I really think I'm just calmer and more open. It's interesting. And that's kind of a beautiful thing. I was so happy to feel that and recognize what it was. Because yes. I thought, I've never in my life cried like that. Remembering my dad when he would cry, which I never saw until I was like in my 20s. He looked like a baby. First of all, his voice would go three octaves higher because he wasn't open. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it was really interesting. I'm not shocked that we're on a similar crying journey because we've been paralleling each other so perfectly. But yeah, I've become a huge crier in the, what, Monica, last year and a half? Yeah, two years. I cry. We do this show on Fridays where we interview armchairies. Half of them I cry in. I'm just crying all the time now. <laughs> it's like There's 30 a person years that I, I held spend up. time with. That person seen me cry. <laughs> Probably, I'm not exaggerating, Dex. I'm not kidding. Probably 150 times in the last year. Wow. Lucky. And I'm just here to go like, <laughs> it's bonkers. Do you have some that always set you off? Because I have a very specific thing that seems to set me off. It's not sadness. It's almost like, no, it's, it's like sadness. spirit that breaks through when. Humanity. Yes. When I see humanity. And that's why Love on the Spectrum is like black tar humanity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's Colombian like flake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it's these documentaries about female singers. Oh, wow. Kristen came into the room about six months ago when the Sinead O'Connor doc came out and I was sitting in bed watching it in the middle of the afternoon and she came in. My shirt was wet. I was just bawling because this woman, despite everything, would stand there and let it rip. Fuck everything. Open up her throat oh and the chest and let it rip and fuck you. I won't let you not let me shine. And I'm like, <laughs> like it fucks me yeah. so bad. It's always the same kind of vibe. It's funny you say that. As the business has changed, most of what I talked to Dave Bulliari about is, are we going to get another T-Mobile commercial? And uh, is Louis Vuitton going to keep us for a watch campaign? <laughs> yes. Like, that's it. That's literally the discussions. Yes. Well, you're kind of handling the other thing on your own. And it doesn't really bring in revenue. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's like everything's changed. <laughs> oh, I know. And so I was at the Louis Vuitton Paris men's fashion show for that. And Pharrell is the artistic director. And after the show he brought on a group of musicians from a reservation so they start singing and I'm sitting there you know with the Louis Vuitton <laughs> outfit sure, trying, on. To look your best. <laughs> trying to represent the brand well you know, <laughs> and these men open their mouths and start like you said will not be quiet <laughs> right and I'm going to show you all the pain yes is going to come out of my instrument of my body right now yeah because right? we're wind and string instruments, right? That's what we are. We're both as humans, uh -huh. right? Because we have our vocal cords and air goes through us. So it's like two instruments at once being played uh -huh. through a human voice. Never thought of that. And bro, luckily, because as I'm getting older, I need glasses, <laughs> yeah. you know? Sure, and so sure. think, and I don't know about luckily, you, but like, I'm so happy. Luckily, I need glasses. Luckily, I need glasses. Yeah. Bad <laughs> and I was like convulsing. <laughs> but again, I was loose, so it wasn't hard, but like I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and just right. floods of tears. By the way, it wasn't like it took a second. You didn't need a ramp up. They said action. And That's right. <laughs> 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 it was exactly the same thing. Yes. That someone would be beautiful despite all the That's right. fucking voices yes. trying to shame them or yes. embarrass them for being so. Yes. Oh, it's the greatest. All right, I love Leonard Bernstein. <laughs> <laughs> you came around. Oh, Bradley, we really Yeah, also, go, um, shout out to Dave. You just brought him up. But I'm always so flattered. Occasionally, Boogs will text me that he's listened to an episode. It's always so thoughtful and nice Big of him. shout out. I wanted to talk about your high school reunion. I think it's so fascinating you went there, but we don't have time. You got to come back more. I yeah. would love to. It's so fun. What percentage of your life is in L.A. now? Ten? Five? Oh, no, two. We gonna ever just pull out entirely or no? I don't want to. Right. And luckily it's a two bedroom house, it's okay. But you know, who knows? <laughs> who knows if uh, Baton gets the footage of you fucking <laughs> collapsing at the uh, <laughs> fashion show. <laughs> oh. 
you want to be an extremely sensitive man, Louis Vuitton. <laughs> That's what we want. That's what we want. That's what we're asking for. You got to go. I'm getting the okay. calls. Okay. Okay. Great. I'm gonna let you go. Did you watch the Beckham doc? I sure did. As I've gotten healthier, I know about less people now. I don't know who's doing great at this or that. I'm not really sure who's succeeding on massive levels. I think it's like a good sign that I'm not tracking anybody. But in that, I've also lost, as I've gotten older, people I just am in awe of, and I miss it. And I watch Beckham, and I'm like, thank you. We're back to me seeing Brad Pitt for the first time. Oh, interesting. I want to look like you. I started wearing sweaters and blue jeans again. Oh, that's I love his tattoos on his neck. I love how he cleans his countertop. And I'm like, oh, good. I got one. I was afraid I couldn't get that anymore. That's funny. I almost had the opposite reaction where I was like, yeah, everybody's human. Mm. Oh. Everybody's dealt with adversity. Because my idea, Beckham, is like, oh, the guy, which people I'm sure have said about us. Born and then, they, you know, everything is easy. <laughs> they never had a cavity. Yeah. <laughs> They don't have to wipe. As I go, yeah, the human experience, again, getting back to that, is filled with strife, period. Yeah, but if you could look as cool as him while you're going through it. That'd be dope. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, I love you. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're doing so well. You too. Eyes are banging. Oh, good. Yeah. All right, love you. Love you. Stay tuned for the fact check so you can hear all the facts that were wrong. No, I was getting my hair cut. Oh, yeah, what's nice. Oh, thank you. Two years younger? One's years younger. Four's years. Four's years younger. Oh, I just love how the sides feel. Do you like to touch it a lot? I do, yeah. I do. I remember when I was younger and the first time I shaved my head. Probably chewy caramel. Oh. It will dissolve. You're, oh, wow, wow, this is a big, whoa, I almost caught it. Oh, 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 me too. And I, mine didn't see mine come until right before it hit my face. And it's you, soft. You really believe I'm going to like it. Uh, if your problem is that it's like an hour to chew through it. Okay. That You'll be done in seconds. 45 seconds. Oh, wow. And should I suck it or chew it? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it depends on your preference. I mean, I don't know if that makes a difference. I don't know what difference. your kinks are, but uh, if you suck this it, it'll last longer. This is the first thing I'm eating today. Is that bad? Yeah. Not ideal. I know. Why don't I wait till I eat? <laughs> oh. Well, no, but we need it for the pot. Well, I guess this is what work is about. It'll make you hyper for <laughs> the fact check. No one's going to like what I'm about to say. Uh-oh. It's already, it's too much. Well, it is a big piece. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like so sticky. Yeah, kind of like it a, does taste very good. It's the duck fat. The game yes. is to like chew, not all the way. It's like dance it on your molars so it doesn't stick. Mm -hmm. I kind of like the challenge of it. <laughs> it tastes so meaty because mm. of the duck fat. Mm. I got put it away. Oh, you're not gonna finish it? I'll finish it later. Oh. This is how I feel about caramels. Like I don't, I don't want to finish it. It's gonna take me an hour to finish it. How could people not like the sound of that? It sounds so funny. It's all stuck. It's all stuck on my teeth. <laughs> uh. I appreciate you trying. Mm. You did I bad. loved mine, but I already knew I loved it. <laughs> it does taste really good, though. I even broke my sugar for you. Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. Okay, back to the first time I shaved my head. Okay. I remember, like, submerging my head in a bowl of water. Uh-huh. Like, tipping my head down. For and what? I had shaved my head. I know. Okay. And then I, like, wanted to get all the, oh, like, whatever. Residue. Resi yeah, all the little <laughs> particles out. Uh-huh. And when I dipped my head in... It was one of the craziest sensations of my life. Wow. What did it tell me more? I don't know what to say other than um, 
tickle, tickle, tickly. Uh, uh, oh, you know when you get um, you get tinglys on your scalp. <laughs> like when hair play? Sure, sure, <gasps> sure. Yeah, it was just like putting a dome of hair play on. So it's like someone was playing with your hair when you put your head in the water. Yeah, as I was inserting it into the water, as the water took over the whole shape, I was like, ooh, like I got it, the chi- like a chill. Oh. Pleasure chill. That's what they're called, pleasure chills. Wow. Yeah, I really missed that. But not worth <sighs> shaving my head again. That was part of my downfall in junior high. When I'd gotten I gotten too, yeah. uh, too close to the sun, I you thought I could pull off. I, I thought yeah. I could pull anything off, and I couldn't. I know. It really will expose how big your nose is when you shave your hat. Did we ever address the fact that we did the nose swap? We posted that. <laughs> oh, I don't and think was, we talked about. Yeah, it was pretty concluded. Well, first of all, a lot of people were like, "Oh my god, I couldn't figure out what was going, what was wrong with that photo," which is funny. <laughs> but also. It did prove, I think, once and for all that my nose is three times the size okay. of yours because your nose looked tiny on my face and my, <laughs> you, your, mine looked enormous But on okay, your. but this is a false- Negative? Negative because obviously your nose is bigger than my nose because your face is bigger than my face because you're a bigger person than me. Okay. It's about proportions. And I think proportionally, my nose on my face is- at least the same, if not bigger than yours no. on your face. <laughs> well, yeah. agree to disagree. And now there's but no way. We need another system because we thought that was going to prove it. And I knew your nose was... was a button nose on my face. <laughs> well, obviously. I mean, also the angle of the picture. I was like, oh, picture. wow. That would be a- I can do another one. I intentionally did not resize noses. Normally, if yeah, I'm doing just... like a face swap, I'll try to make it proportionate. I have a new idea. Okay. Let's do molds of our nose. And then we will be able to hold the mold up. In your case, you'll be able to put my nose completely over yours is my guess. Okay, but again, this is the same problem. Because you're talking proportionate. Yes. So what we need to do is we need to measure from the top of our hairline to our chin. But that's a little unfair because I'm a male and have more of a receding hairline. Mm. But this is all part of it. Oh, I guess visually. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yes, we do need to do a full ratio. Can we use your penis mold that you posted to do a nose mold? Well, I don't know. I kind of want to save it for a penis. A penis. Sure, <laughs> like, sure. I don't think I'm ready to give it that up right. yet. And that was the only one on planet Earth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, Drive Away Dolls the movie, which I haven't seen yet. But oh, I that's do a movie see- promotion? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Cohen it's a brother. Cohen, yeah, Ethan Cohen. It's a Cohen Brothers movie? Yeah. And they're handing out penis? Yes, of course. Well, I don't know, of course. That sounds very risque for the Coen brothers. Oh, don't you think it, to me, it sounds so accurate. Oh, okay. Because they're funny. They are funny, but they're also classic. They're also not saying, even though you, we've talked about this before, because you said, well, when it's one, it's actually both. But they're right. not saying it's the Coen brothers. Oh, they're, they're saying not. it's Ethan, we I think. Yeah, it's look- just Ethan. Bradford, Vermont. Brad from Vermont? Bradford, Vermont. Oh, that's the location. Yes. I thought it was your friend Bradford, Vermont. (laughs) Brad, Vermont. From Vermont. (laughs) Yeah, like this is what basketball players will do. Like Susie Denver, Tiffany Sarasota. What do you mean? Because they go to a city to play basketball and they meet a, uh, a, a Jennifer 
Oh, oh, you mean in their phone? In yes, their phone. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So oh, 100%. I thought you, I thought you had a Brad Vermont. Oh, and I was like, cool. oh, this is so exciting. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, people do that. They go to places, they hook up, and they put in. They the don't name. know the last name, and even if they knew the last name. They know in three months the They'll last forget. name won't ring a bell. Exactly. And I think more ambitious and um, <laughs> prolific some of these players got. I think there had to be more adjectives. Because I think there are multiple oh Jennifers from Denver. And then so sometimes it's I Jennifer, don't... Denver, red hair, freckle on nose. Oh, my God. Um, I think you're also giving them a lot of credit because I think they just didn't even put the name in. They might not have put the name in. It, I don't know. It looks like so his wife wrote it a while ago. Okay. The script was uh, conceived several decades ago. Oh, several oh. decades ago. Yeah, by his wife. And she edited a bunch of their earlier movies. Wonderful. Um. And then he was, Ethan explained, me and Joel would never have made this movie. It would not have happened. I don't think me and Joel would have written a romantic comedy about two female leads. Ah. Here's the funny thing. I think 20 years ago, we could have gotten an important lesbian movie made, but this is an unimportant lesbian movie. (laughs) That just didn't compute then. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. That's really funny. (laughs) Also, Matt Damon's in it for a quick hot second. Oh, he's got a pop? Mm Mm-hmm. Who are the leads? Um, Margaret Qualley. I mean, did I said Margaret? Yeah. I was like, this is a fresh face. I'm new- introducing Margaret Qualley. <laughs> Margaret Qualley. Okay. Uh, beanie's in it. Mm. Um, anyway. Okay. When I saw- I got my penis in the mail. Yes. And it is exciting. T- yes. Now let me ask so you. Mold, I have to mold someone's penis. Yeah. Now here's a here's a fun question for everyone. Okay. I would be very flattered if someone asked me for the mold. This for, is to, like, like can, so. Like, would you feel comfortable just asking like Matt Damon? Like, would would you be would you mind molding your penis? Right. Because I, I if I were him, I would feel so flattered. It's such a compliment. That's what I wonder. Like, how inappropriate is it to request to ask like Jimmy to ask Matt for you? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. To ask a best boy. To ask another best boy. Yeah. Um, if <laughs> he'll just like make a little mold for me. I mean. Well, this don't say a little so, mold because that oh, may trigger him to okay. not want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> or, or he'll really want to because he'll want to show it's, it's a big mold. Or maybe it's a little. That's fine. Yeah, I know. But I don't care. I'm, I'm, everything's fine. I'm, I'm just, just telling you just if you right. approach the dude and say, I want a little mold, <laughs> I can just promise you that the boy I can't help will, you. The <laughs> wish sure. can only do big molds. <laughs> if you want a big mold, call back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but this is sort of similar to the question of like, can I have just a little bit of your sperm also? Is that also a question? That- yeah, because we talked about this on Race to 35 with Andrew Huberman. Oh, right. How would you feel if someone asked for, for you your sperm, or sperm yeah. to be a donor? That to me, uh, well, we've talked about this yeah. under maybe a different guise. No, yeah. one, no one asking me, but just... That would be a no for me because I couldn't handle knowing that know. a child of mine was alive and I wasn't helping. I know. But a penis of mine out there you don't care. giving pleasure to somebody, you love some that. guy or girl who, you know. Yeah, maybe that's, both. That's, maybe it gets passed around. Who knows? Maybe it's a group party everyone has. Right. Um, Sounds unhygienic. Well, I'm sure they could figure out. I don't out think the, you really 
thinking much about hygiene when you're you've in an thrown, orgy. Yeah, by the way, if you're worried about hygiene in an orgy, you get out of the orgy. That's it's not for you. I don't it's think not it's, for you. Well, I don't think it's for me for that reason. Sure. And that's that's great. Well, I don't want to say never. But you never can say have never. your cake and eat it too. It's like <laughs> I agree. Right. So it's just everyone's going to be honest about it. Well, you can happening. have cake and eat it too if you have cake at the orgy. But ironically, that might lead to more infections than anything anyone else oh, was fearful gosh. of. But it tastes so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do think like Worth high school it. kids wound up with UTIs and stuff because they got a little too adventurous with the food and of stuff. They were course. smearing on each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> UTIs. They'll get you. Okay, so back to the the mold, penis. the penis mold. Yeah. Who are your, you're going to send three emails. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, three of emails. Of anyone in the whole world. Yep. Emails that would go directly to them. Like, not that's like right, not to their gem, Jimmy to the, that's no. wasting too. You've got a direct line. Okay. You go, hey, it's Monica. I got this really fun thing. It's a penis mold. And I was just thinking of like, whose penis would I want a mold of and uh, yours. So if you're up for it, I'll send it over. Okay. And I have, I have another, one more question. Yeah. Am I allowed to send it to three people, th three different, am I allowed to collect three? Hmm. No, my okay. my thought here is just like you're gonna mail to multiple colleges. Oh, oh, I see. And yeah, one acceptance. I, yes, I'm gonna accept one. Okay, okay. Um, I feel like we know two of them. I know that's why like three is a small number. Okay, you want to do five? Yeah. Okay, let's do five. Because then two we know. Yep. Matt and Ben, let's just reiterate because it's your first episode <laughs> of Armchair Expert. Uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are number one and two males sent. Not in that order. No, no particular no order. No particular order. Those two. That would be so interesting to see the difference sure. between those two penises. Do you think of you course. can tell? Oh, that's a great question. I think I like in my heart. I, <laughs> I feel know. like I, I, know you do. I, I, I do think I could tell. <laughs> I know, me too. I already feel like I can imagine what they look like. Sure, sure. I, me too. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Those two. <laughs> I think I feel like you're playing longer than you. I think no, you know me. No, no, I don't. Oh, you don't. I really don't. Oh, okay. Okay. Because look, I, this is not. Let's like, not get into the reality. I know what you're about to say. <laughs> what? Who really wants this penis anyway? Oh no, I wasn't gonna say oh, that. Okay, no, okay. I was gonna say it's different than like who do I want to get married to? Of course. So it's this is whose dick do you want inside of you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is very specific. <laughs> yes. Um, maybe. Ooh, can I suggest like, one? Yeah. Carmelo Anthony. <gasps> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Because your fucking pants exploded when he was sitting here. They did. Again, if you're new to the podcast, your first episode, <laughs> Monica's wardrobe literally broke in two places while we were doing the interview. It, the crotch ripped right out <laughs> and your buttons popped. They really did. I know. It's from insane. Sitting. Just from it's, sitting. Yes. Yeah. So that's a good, that's actually a really good pick. Okay, great. I think my body w is going to respond well. Yes. Yes. Clearly. Um, <laughs> as, as, as has already been demonstrated. And, rem and if anyone's married or girlfriended up with these people, or you consent in this, like, whole thing. Well, that's the thing. So, like, if anyone wanted a mold of my penis, again, it'd be super flattering and great. Obviously, my first question would have to be, like, hold on, I've got to ask my wife if I'm allowed to make a mold. You and would my wife is never ask her that. Well, I'd have to ask no, her No, you that. just have to say no because you know that, that she would not want that. What, let me paint a scenario. <laughs> okay. I bet okay. you I can paint a scenario. A Virtually, <laughs> we get a letter from Dame Judy Dench. Oh, okay. 
And she's like, I hope this isn't inappropriate, uh, but I was watching something and it occurred to me, I would love to have a mold of Dax's penis. If this is offensive, my apologies. Um, She's so polite. Yes, and playful and fun. And you don't feel like everything's great. So Dame Judy Dench requests a mold of my penis. I would say to Kristen, yeah. hey, we got I got this email from Judy Dench. I'm inclined to make her one. Okay. That's, and I have a hunch. She'll say yes. Kristen would say yes. I think you're right. Yes. But realistically, it depends on the person. I know, which is funny because that just proves how well, arbitrary in your it head depend it is. On, it would depend on the person for you if she was molding her, her pussy. pussy. <laughs> 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 it would. It would. Well, for sure. Like, you probably wouldn't want Mike to have access to that. Oh, interesting. I have a sliding scale. Like, this has already happened in real life in the past, which is I have a ton of variety of friends. Mm -hmm. I've had varying levels of them being inappropriate with girlfriends I've had. Sure. And there are certain friends of mine that I saw more predatorial than others. Bree and I used to play this game. We walk in and we're banging X. What's the reaction? I love this. Yeah. Yes. And so always, like, if I walked in and Nate and her were making love, I'd be like, I'm kind of happy for both of them. Yeah, you know, you like, used to say that about Kristen and Nate too. Yeah, I say that about Nate. Like Nate, <laughs> Nate, Nate's allowed to make love to anyone. <laughs> Which is okay. Now, hold on. I want to deep dive into this. A yes, little. because you, what I want to be make clear, it's not pity because Nate's a stud. That's what I was about to say. Because if I heard that about me, I would take that poorly. Like, oh, you, if, oh, right. You would think it would mean you're not like, threatening. Exactly. That's not it. So I'm glad we're getting into the, the granular details of this. Every girl likes Nate. Yeah, that, that's he's not very the, attractive. Yes, and his personality is like the greatest of all time. Yeah. But he would never, ever make anyone uncomfortable or he's just not like a hungry predatorial type. Yeah, you feel like it's safe. He's, he's so safe. safe. Yes, yes. And he would never... Cross Run them. away so, with them. Yeah, he's not trying to get what I have so he feels better about himself. Right. I can isolate when people are trying to get what I have so they can feel above me or superior to me. Oh, as opposed to just being attracted. Yeah, that's not really Interesting. It. Yep. And so, so- You're okay with people just being very attracted to her, yes. but having nothing to do with you. Yes, and I told you, I there was a very weird hook, uh, hookup, Freudian slip. There was a very weird hiccup in my open relationship with Brie. Yeah. Which is like, I didn't care. I was not jealous. But there were a couple different people over nine years where I just felt like dude on dude when I was around them. I was like, this is more about you trying to alpha me. Uh-huh. And like there, something male to male happened that had nothing to do with whether or not I cared they did something and I didn't know about it. And you felt, did you kind of feel like protective it was a challenge of Brie? To, like, is it even a, like, do you even like her? Or right. Just and there's just a couple different dudes where I felt like, oh, this is more of a challenge to me. Mm, interesting. And then that became a, a completely separate issue, but one that did make me. Interesting. Uh, against the notion. Okay. Yeah, there's a certainly a ton of people that I guess I wouldn't care, and then there's a bunch of people I would not yeah. want. And same for her, right? Like, right. It go. That's the whole point. Is well, I do wonder. This is what we don't know. Is there anyone she'd be like? Yeah, that's okay. That's I, what I'm I, saying. I kind, I'm inclined to say yeah. Like, definitely this Dame James. Judy Judy Bench <laughs> example. I think is a really good one. Like Meryl Streep. But you know why? Oh, Meryl Streep. 
Yeah. I don't know if she'd want That's that. That's a good one. I don't know I'll if ask she'd her. want that. I'll ask her. Yeah. Okay. The reason <laughs> I feel like the answer is no is because even the idea of asking her this type of question, mm-hmm. I feel like she's not going to like this. Okay. Yeah. As it doesn't need to be asked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even the Judy Dench example. Because she'll be like, why do you need to do that? These questions, like, it starts getting out of control, you know? Like, they're a snowball. Why do you need your penis to be out there in the world? Right. And what would you say? Okay, I'd have two things. One would be she asked for it. (laughs) Yeah. Dame Judi Dench asked for it. Yes. And then I would be honest and go, like, I find it very flattering and I like the idea that she wants that. Yes. And she would say, that's mine. Uh-huh. That penis is mine. Yeah. And I'd go, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I would I would own that I feel very flattered by that. Of course. And I think a lot of people would. Yeah. I mean, I would if anyone wanted a if Matt Damon my person, wanted Oh my God, I would love it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that'd be very, very flattering. But um, the conversation I'm having now about all this with Kristen is like, now you're getting into this very, very interesting and dynamic spectrum of what is cheating. Exactly. Which is like exactly. never endingly fascinating. And it is. there are so many things for some couples that would be just cheating. Yeah. That are not for others. Right. You know? Oh, I mean, this Everyone is, kind of gets to set their standard is. For this that. would be, to a lot of people, this would be cheating. Which is funny because it's not cheating. The person's like never even I touched know. the person. They didn't witness any of the stuff. Now, if it but escalated to mo- like, I, now I'd like to show you a video of me using it. Now, now sure. we're getting, now we're definitely, we're inching closer well, and closer. That's, yeah, I think most people Still would. not cheating to me. Well, to most people, it would. Yeah, I believe you're right that a lot of people would be. But but like if I walked in and Kristen was watching a video of a guy jacking off that he had sent her that on DM. That she knows. Yeah, it wouldn't be cheating. The fact that she watched it, she was curious and wanted to watch it. I don't, for me, that doesn't constitute cheating. Because like, what's the difference between that and pornography? So now we've drawn the line between you can watch pornography, but if you know one of the actors in the pornography, then that's an issue. So that's just a very arbitrary and interesting line. No, if you know them and you talk to them in life and you're around them in life, it's much different than a stranger. Well, is it different than her just watching once or what do you catch her like three weeks later watching watching it and masturbating it? Okay, great. So this is what I'm suggesting. So like, yeah, on the surface, you're like, oh my God, she's jerking off to this dude that she knows. But like, if I walk in and she's jerking off watching pornography, Mm -hmm. the physical reality is identical. She's having a fantasy about other people to climax. Mm Mm-hmm. And so what I'm really saying is like, I don't mind her imagining being with these people sexually to climax by herself, but I mind if she's watching someone she knows to climax. Okay, so that seems like an obvious line until (laughs) you think, I don't think I have a right to tell her she's not allowed to masturbate in her head about people she knows. Yeah, you don't, you can't. So all we've added is like a video component. Like I'm fine with her masturbating to people she knows. And then I'm fine with her masturbating to videos if it's pornography. So weirdly, 
I don't think it's as clear cut. But it is, it is, well, it's not clear cut. Ever Again, everyone's making their own rules for yeah. this, but it is crossing an emotional line. Uh -huh. If someone is sending a video that they made for the person uh -huh. and- But let's just say she's never sent anything back. She's just consumed it. Now, where it gets, now I think you add <laughs> another layer. Is like, I walk in and she's FaceTime masturbating with somebody she uh knows. Then that's like time to chat. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, again, and we need to you're an anomaly and most people are very uncomfortable. Would be yeah, extremely and not, uncomfortable. And I'm not judgmental of those people. Yeah. I, I would ask them to not be judgmental yeah, of me. You back. have your own Yeah, I'm just not terribly this. threatened by that stuff. Right. I mean, but emotional shit mixed I, with physical shit. That's a, it's the I think if it was my sure. No, I was just going I already said this on his episode, so I don't even feel bad saying it again. Like her and Mike Sure going to a book conference in Pennsylvania for two days, that's way more problematic to me than her masturbating watching a video. Of him that he sent her? Because that means when they go anywhere together, yeah, like it is, it is, the it is. chances of them really crossing the line are much higher. But again, I'm threatened by Mike's philanthropic good nature. Uh, yeah, the thing I can't compete with. That that's the thing that threatens me is what I can't compete. But with. don't you think part of why she would be masturbating to him is because of the books. It is. It's because of his whole package. <laughs> uh -huh. It's not his sexuality. That's, I think, one thing, again, that's different often Guy between and men and women. Yeah. Women are not necessarily, which is why back to the original premise of this whole thing where I'm picking these penises, right? Uh -huh. But I'm, I'm thrilled you're actually excited about this because I could even see you saying like, well, I don't care about the penis. That's where I thought you were going to go at well, one point. And I was like- I am sort of getting there now, I unfortunately. Know. But like, that's that's the truth about women. You're yeah. attracted to the <laughs> I keep forgetting. I know, it's okay. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Every time you're making a point, I'm like. <laughs> you're attracted to the whole piece and the personality and the connection and those things yeah. skyrocket the sexuality to a much different level. Of course. Although it, that's that's women, threat that is threatening. Although women do watch pornography in enormously high numbers. Totally. So But I think they're picturing they're, I, they're projecting a personality yes, onto them. Yes. Like I I don't think it's just <gasps> That's probably true because I project onto them. And in fact this is I've already talked about this too. But again, if it's your first time, great. This will be your first time. <laughs> welcome to Armchair Expert. Yes, welcome. I hope you're enjoying it. This <laughs> Not normally this pervy, but also it is sometimes this pervy. Yeah. Um, when I'm looking through the options for pornography. Even though you don't I, often look at porn. I don't. And I I think I've been so honest this whole time. I hope people will believe me. <laughs> yeah. I think some people watch porn every day. I watch porn like probably twice a month I'll watch porn. Okay. Right? 24 times a year I'll do it. Okay. I, don't, I forget it's even a thing. Right. When I do and I'm scrolling through these pages, like when I'm on high look, like I know from listening to Stern, guys are like, they like stepsister porn or they like babysitter porn. Right. You know, they have a, they Kinks. have a, 
They have a genre they like. Right. I like porn where I actually think the girl's super into it and getting off. Right. And I'm like, you want it I'm to be scanning real. to try to evaluate whether I think this woman's enjoying it or not. That's nice. Because my projection is like giving tons of pleasure in right. um, being validated as being good and all that stuff. Yeah. But yes, so ultimately I'm projecting. Yeah, we are, I guess. I'm at least searching to find the thing. I think that matches what I'm. What you want in life. So maybe like Sexually, the women yeah. who have a personality type are like, they're scanning through and then that guy looks like a jock. I don't like that. This guy looks like Yeah, a- probably. Or I just think it's more a whole blown out fantasy versus just the sexual physical. pleasure. Like, yeah, the physicality of it. There's more. There's more happening with women. As we learned, um, <laughs> responsive and or spontaneous arousal people. Vanessa Marin. Yeah, she's been getting, I mean, people love that episode. It was a great episode. It was a great episode. your first time listening, go back and listen to that one. (laughs) Okay, well, I still haven't picked my penises. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got, we have three of the five. Yeah, we have three of the five. I, I want Brad Pitt's. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's the kind, you know what's funny is if you had this penis collection, (laughs) I can only imagine there'd be one that when girlfriends came over, you'd be like, you want to see Brad Pitt's penis? Like You probably have it in a Lucite box and like show people. Yeah. Yeah, maybe some lighting. If we interview him, I'm going to ask him, not for you, but I'm going to ask him, has anyone asked you to make a mold of your penis? And then is it something you would do for somebody? Okay. Because that seems like a pretty good interview question. I feel like maybe (laughs) we should have put this out there because then he's definitely not coming on. Um, Okay. And then, and obviously I'm not like, no one in my life is on my list. Like I'm, I'm intentionally right. okay, like no right. one in my life is on my list. Right. Don't feel. Like, um, Charlie is yeah, not on the list. Don't have your feelings hurt, Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if you said Rob? No, Rob's in my life. He can't be okay, on the list. Okay. Um, um, the Lupin guy? I was just thinking about him. You were considering him. I was considering him. Or Donald Glover. I was considering him too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I, okay, here's the other problem. Yes. Donald Just because Glover, they have the personality exactly. you love doesn't mean it's an ideal dildo. Correct. And right. like he's so sexy, mm-hmm. but his dick on its own is not so sexy. Yeah. It's just is what it just is. We're, now Again. we're back to yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> why that is why Ben and Matt are so premium. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Like because I have so much emotional connection to those. Yes. Yeah, you'll hold it and you'll be like, "Oh, I'm holding his penis." Yeah. Wow. Yeah, what a, <laughs> I'm getting excited just thinking about it. <laughs> like even Carmelo uh, is not that. Except right. I That's do That's more think like I think you do more visceral erotic. I get excited cuz yeah, I know. Yeah, primal. Yeah. The way All your right. clothes explode. I'm only going to send out 3 emails. Wow. Well, wait, so Donald, no, and, and Lupin, no. I think, no. I, and Brad I think, Pitt, no? Oh, yeah, oh, four. Four, yeah. that's great. You got 80%. I'm going to think about the fifth. I want to pick someone weird for you. Okay. Like, <laughs> I want you to do like a genius. Why? Because maybe there's something special about that. Oh, penis. And you just want I see think what it you could like? like dial into exactly what we're talking about with Ben and Matt. <laughs> like if you had Einstein's penis. Oh. Oh, we can do ghosts? But no, but I use him as an example oh. of like someone that might be thrilling or. um. Oh, you know who I'd want to do if it was a ghost? Shakespeare's penis. Who's? Uh, JFK Jr. Right. You'd love that. Yeah. Hold it. <laughs> Hold it. 
It's just like so waspy. It's such a waspy oh, it's dick. The whitest. Like the mold was one color, but it comes out like <laughs> translucent white. <laughs> oh my god! Or or ooh, oh. ooh I should uh, never mind. Do it. I was gonna say like someone from high school who yeah, I wanted yes. badly. That's good. And then I felt bad saying that because then it felt like a teenage dick, but they're they're adults now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think I would be like so mean to that one. Oh, you would? Yeah. You slam it in the door? Yeah, because it was. Because <laughs> it, it didn't. didn't yeah, <laughs> they never gave. You would it to hate me. fuck that one. Yes, exactly. Uh, this is incredible. Oh, it's man. incredible. It is a okay. Look, it's a it's a ding 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 because this is for Bradley Cooper, a very coveted. Where most people would want a copy of his dick. Yes, and huh. I I ruled him out because it didn't feel appropriate for this. Yeah, that's good. That's smart. <laughs> okay, one of the facts is um, when Bradley says, and you said it too, but this like him disliking his face. Oh, uh-huh. Which I, I believe him, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's not lying. He's not, yeah. that's true. But it's like a little bit, it's like when, like. When Bezos feels broke? No, but when models go on talk shows and say they were tomboys. And you're a little like, oh, God. Like, you can I know what you're saying, but I think it's different because I think he's not pretending he was a dork in high school. Some of these really hot, look, there was an Amy Schumer sketch about it. It's exactly. a famous great one. Yes. It's a well-worn thing. Like, I was no guys like me, and I was a I was like a gaming nerd. That I think is a lie. But the problem, I don't think it's fair for us to say that. I don't I think know, it's, it's just fair. So, but there was so many. I know. There was so many that there was a sketch about it. So I definitely think they they know it's easy to hate someone as beautiful as them, and it just feels like less. You would hate them less if you found out that they were an awkward duckling for a while. That's what we are saying. Like, I don't know. I just, it gives me a little compassion for those women who we've now like made, we have like made jokes about like, oh God, like they're saying they're a tomboy or that. Yeah. They like ugly ducklings, but they probably were. Sure. That's possible. I think it's funny because Mm -hmm. when Bradley Cooper, who objectively, exactly, is 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 saying he doesn't like the way he looks. It just is reminiscent to me of right. when a model goes on a talk show and says they were a tomboy. So what's interesting though is but like- I just think it's funny. Oh yeah, I see your point. I recognize your point. I don't see it the same. If Ashton was doing that, that to me would be identical to the models from CWD doing it. Mm. There, There is a class of dudes. If Josh Dumel was saying it and Ashton was saying it, and some of these other like pretty boy models were saying it. I think for me, it would also file into the the category of the crazy hot actresses who have done it. I think it's also hard. You you've been friends with him. You've been friends with him for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, and you've been on the ride. Like, yeah, yeah. I think you. It might be hard for you to. I'm trapped see. in his lower status. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I'm glad so. I am. I guess. No, you should be. Yeah, we met like trying to claw our way into that number seven on the call sheet of, uh, you know, of yeah. uh, wedding crashers. So it's just different when people just, when he just appears on the scene. No, I think a lot hangover. coming down the escalator yeah, in and the it's suit. Like, who like, is this person? Yeah, powerful. Powerful. Now I wonder if what he would admit, because I would like to hear it from him and I've never even asked him. I'd like to 
know if he does acknowledge he has an animal magnetism because I could see him not liking his face, but recognizing, yeah, somehow I do have a major power over girls. I think he... He has to know well, that. Well, I, I don't think so based oh. on what he was saying about Leonard and like his magnetism and his weapons. Yeah. He was saying, if not like I can relate type of... I, I, my take from that was that he doesn't recognize that he's him, that he right. also has all those weapons and yeah. um, does have a magnetism that yeah. people are just Their pants are very exploding. drawn to. Yeah. Okay, so the catalyst suit he talks about that he works out in. Mm, yes. It's catalyst with a K. Yes. It has EMS technology. Electromagnetic surge. Systems. And yeah, you wear it. It's FDA cleared for consumer use. Uh -huh. Custom suit sizing. Machine washable textiles. Oh, wow. Unlike your... I wonder donuts if you have it. from the apple. Well, they just arrived, by the way. I did oh, my exciting. first meditation this morning with the new donuts on. <laughs> exciting. And you know what I decided to do is go two-tone. So I have the green ones, but then I got the silvery white oh, donuts. Wow. And I like how it looks. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And they put the green ones in the dishwasher. I'll let you know how it turns out. <laughs> Yuck. We're sitting in there right now waiting to be blasted. Wait, did you really? Yeah. Dax. What? It's going to make everything so stinky in there. In the dishwasher? Yes. Oh, I don't think so. It's like a nuclear bomb goes off okay. in those things. <laughs> okay. Well, it says you can do a full body workout in 20 minutes with zero compromises. Oh, wow. I Good, because I hate compromising. Yeah. So that's that. Um, okay, the reality TV show that you wondered if he was talking about, but he wasn't, is called Naked Attraction. That's the one where the penises are everything gets exposed right okay now you know what's interesting i'm now going to join your side of the street a little bit okay which is i watched an episode of that or something uh -huh. what i can relate to is i haven't seen the person yet oh it's not so like i don't remotely sexy no like i see the vagina and i'm like yeah i just don't know what it's attached to i'm not willing yet interesting to. yeah so you realize it is subjective and tied together to some degree it is yeah um, okay. Why can kids be around dad's poop? Mm, did you get some info on this? I asked Adam Grant. Oh. If he could help me, if he could point me in the right direction. Okay. Um, he gave me- This is too PG-13 for him. Did he like immediately bristle? I said, I'm sorry. I said- I have a pretty disgusting fact to check. Uh -huh. Dax said his kids often come into the bathroom to, to tell him things while he's going to the bathroom and they don't seem to care about the smell. Our guest had the same situation with their kid. I wondered if there was some sort of evolutionary explanation for this. Do you know anyone who could answer this? I'm sorry to rope you into this very gross inquiry. Uh -huh. And then he responded with like this face. Yeah, exactly. Like a yeah, yikes, yeah. but yeah. also a laughing face. Okay. And then he- <laughs> A little this, a little that. And then he he gave me an email of someone at Yale. So that's TBD. I haven't. Oh, okay, great. So this is kind of going to be a multi-part yes. exploration. Also, when I just did this, um, it reminded me in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. She looks at, she does your thing. Oh, I know. I know. She I, looks in the mirror and makes this so horrifying face. great things in that show. Yeah. She's so good. She is. I love when Mr. and Mrs. Smith gets into race stuff. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You just don't see it. Everyone's pretending that well, people talk different than they gets do. To, he gets to tell that 
side of it, you know? Yeah. And she gets to tell the Asian side. Exactly. Um, but I'm just refreshed because like these are the real f- fucking conversations couples have about everybody. Like no one's no one's putting their best foot forward to yeah. appear good in public and not get canceled. Right. And you just don't see it on TV anymore. And it's kind of maddening because I know what real life is about. Couples talk about race. They talk about yeah. everything. Yeah. Okay. There's the five minutes of history of music, Leonard. Oh, fuck. I forgot to look that up. Yeah. I was going to play it, but this is going long. Okay. So check that out on your own time. Okay. If this is your first episode, we don't normally give homework, so don't think this is standard. <laughs> but sometimes I do. Probably one in, about as frequently as I watch pornography, so <laughs> once, twice a month maybe. you get homework. Uh, okay. Um, oh, he says skadoosh when he's talking about his um, meditation pose. Mm-hmm. And that's from Kung Fu Panda. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's it. I want to say for the record, I deeply, deeply enjoyed this interview. Yeah, me too. And it really stuck with me and it really made some things click for me. And it's one of my favorite chats I've had with Bradley. Well, just like stuff that then I brought into therapy to kind of discuss. And I just like, like he, he... you know, when I bring up all the stuff of like, it's hard for me to watch a guy that I'm on a spectrum of and these are my qualities I hate. And to hear that he like, he had no defensiveness against that. He was very much like, oh yeah, I have the same kind of thoughts. And I've obviously he's been thinking about it for two years and I've been thinking about it for 36 hours. Mm. And so kind of like once again, his his synthesis of it and maybe his compassion he has for that person was just kind of, I liked observing it. I, That's it was, great. Yeah, I thought it was... It was nice. You know, Coop has a history, I have to acknowledge, of like every five years he kind of, he has a little pearl of wisdom I end up using a lot. Yeah. You know? I never even finished my list. It occurred to me after the end of the interview, I said something like that you've taught me three, three. really. Three, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. can you share because- I can't remember the third, oh. but <laughs> the first one, right, was, was it about people talking bad about other people? Yes. Yeah, so that one was really a light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. The other was while in a relationship, not Kristen, him teaching me how to acknowledge what fear this situation is really bringing up. Because I would say the whole fight and he would say, wow, if, if, if a woman said that to me, I would be feeling very less than or I'd be feeling very this and that. And I... I really couldn't think that way yet. Mm. You know, that was wow. 18 years ago or something. I just couldn't, I was so stuck on that. That was a mean thing to say to me or that was objectively bitchy or cruel. Mm-hmm. And I didn't then think, well, probably that same statement wouldn't affect someone else that had a different set of fears. Right. So why does that affect me? Like adding the piece of like, why is that so impactful to me? What fear do I have? And then like him encouraging me to say to that person, when you said X, it brought up this fear in me and I am very insecure about this. And like, that's the impact. And that felt like if I were to have ever done that in front of a woman, she'd be so put off by me being weak and vulnerable um, that she'd be out the door. And it was always the opposite reaction. And I did not think, that was like a paradigm shift for me. Yeah, wow. That's That's like the beginning of the whole vulnerability thing maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Change your life. And then I can't articulate the third thing. I think I know what it is. Tell me. I think I remember it. It was, you were saying 
you were sharing something with him. Mm -hmm. And then he said, oh, Oh. That's why you don't like so X. And so, yes. <laughs> because <laughs> you're him, basically. Yes. That that was just a really punch in the nose observation. I already knew that. Yeah. You know, but I was ignoring that I knew that because I wanted to be judgmental of this person. Right. I wanted to hold on to that my my moral righteous indignation. No, it was like it was a different situation. I remember it very well. And it was it was basically pointing out like I felt slighted by somebody very public. And then I was about to be in public and I was going to share that. And I had this all mapped out of why it was fine and why this person deserved that. And they shouldn't acted this way if they didn't want this known, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And he listened to this whole story and he's just like, you know, you could totally do that. He's like, but I do think when you engage in negative, like, then everyone just engages with negative around you and you just start this whole swell of negativity. It never ends anywhere positive. Then maybe yeah. that person responds and they, they are now forced to be negative. And it's like, it, as opposed to putting your energy into starting a project that's negative and will result in more negativity. Mm. Why not just ignore it and like talk about the things that are positive and productive. Yeah. And again, I'm not articulating that one so well, but in the, throughout the course of this conversation we had, it occurred to me, yeah, I don't want to do that. It's why I don't ever shit on movies in here. Or I yeah, don't shit on things. Exactly. Like I think that's that came in 2012, me stopping shitting in, on things. That's great. Yeah. I have a theory that I don't think you'd like, okay. right? Which we've talked we've talked about it. I think we talked about it last time he was on. That I think I think he's one of the only people you what's the word? Not, really listen to? Like can hear. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, He's in the Tom Hansen. Uh, yeah. There's uh -huh. like a very small amount of men, I guess. Well, men. I'll say men. That's what it is. Because I think I actually don't have a hard time hearing women or yeah. learning from them. But, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. But yeah, I have a real issue with men. And there's very few that I just blindly trust that they're telling me something they believe and not that they have an ulterior motive for me. I think you look up to him. To Bradley? I do think that. I don't see you have that thing a lot with people. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I don't know why I would be hesitant to say I look up to him because I do. I look up to parts of him. I don't look up to him as an actor. I don't look, you know, yeah. I don't look up to him. So no, I guess I I'm like nervous people would think. Um, but yeah, somehow Tom Hansen synthesizes things in a way that I can hear what he's saying and they penetrate my brain. Mm -hmm. And Cooper too. And I think, well, I can tell you what both guys share in common, which is they're, they're abnormally truthful about their, their character defects mm. and their flaws. And so I guess I just trust them a lot more. Yeah, that's great. And I think- People who are like really not trying to hide that stuff about themselves, I can hear a lot better. Yeah. I also think it's kind of one of those like we don't always know why. We don't always know why there are people in our lives who we we just like there's something about them that we yeah. want to be or like or like it has nothing to do with how much you like or love a person. But yeah, definitely Hanson and, and Jimmy are like dad figures for me. Yeah. And Cooper's a brother figure right, for me. Right, right. That's exactly. why maybe I'm like not, 
like I can't go straight look up, but that's, I don't yeah. know why, because yeah. I look up to my brother. I looked up to him growing up. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely look up to Cooper. That's my conclusion. I think you're right. Yeah. I think it's nice. Yeah. It's good to have people to look up to. Yeah. It's an act of humility in a sense. It which is. Which is why I'm struggling so hard right now. I know. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, I don't think you want to be in a position where like a pat on the back from nobody would feel special. Yeah. Okay, well, this was fun. Yeah, so much fun. And welcome for those first time <laughs> listeners. Uh, we love Hope having you. you. Hope you'll stick around <laughs> and uh, give us another shot. Love you. Bye, love you. Bye.